Greatness is a transitory experience. It is never consistent. It depends in part upon the myth-making imagination of humankind. The person who experiences greatness must have a feeling for the myth he is in. He must reflect what is projected upon him, and he must have a strong sense of the sardonic. This is what uncouples him from the belief in his own pretensions. The sardonic is all that permits him to move within himself. Without this quality, even occasional greatness will destroy a man. From Collected Sayings of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. To Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. Each week we open a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. Oh, we do. And you picked up a bottle that you're pretty excited for this week. Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty good. So I know you don't like the white wines, so I got us a replacement wine instead. I got us a a red one. Which does imply that you had a white wine that you were going to try to spring (laughs) on me. I did. It was a really good one, though. Uh, Uh Okay. I'll I'll get you one day. But what do you have for now? Um, I wish I could pronounce this. As as we go on Spice World, pronunciations are not my forte. (laughs) But uh, I think it was this... Pogio Anima? That can't be it. Pogia Anima? Oh, let's go Pogio. Pogio. I like it. Okay, well, I'm sure someone will correct us here, and hopefully so. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got this pretty much, again, just for the label. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's got a really nice little <laughs> image on it. It looks like a wolf whose head is on fire, and it's got bat wings. So it's called Asmodeus as the the wine itself that's modious oh yeah that's ferocious it, yeah it looks pretty cool decided that's what we're drinking i think i think that is yeah something straight out of hell yeah uh and looks fearsome with that fire kind of crested behind its head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah it's a nice little dark wine and it's a pretty interesting flavor profile very bitter it is different from some of the other ones we've had so far um very in your face for the first sip but the aftertaste doesn't really have anything to it. It just sort of peters off into nothing. Yeah, you know what? We're getting better at this, Mike. Yeah. I think, I think we have like a kind of a, we know what wines we like now. That's true. And uh, this one, yeah, it doesn't have that full body that we expected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to drink it, though. Let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, no, no. Honestly, the pepper is, I like it more than I thought I would. I didn't think I would be so much up my alley, but it's it's tasty. In part, going mm-hmm. with our theme, the rich sandy slopes and sun-drenched days of Western Sicily are the perfect place to grow grapes for making premium wines. So, Sandy Slopes. No, we got I, our, we got like, our plug. You, I was waiting for spice. No, we got uh, it. <laughs> I don't understand why it has to tell us that it's dark purple in color on the notes. <laughs> I feel like I could tell that just by looking at the bottle. It's like a, it's like a safety seal. <laughs> just, Make sure we put the right stuff in the bottle. Yeah. We've messed it up before. <laughs> but yes, dark purple in color. Dark purple. Hey, we're going to have Sappho lips. Sappho lips. Yay. We'll be right. Or, oh, no, those are cranberry. I'm sorry. We're going to be like Dr. Yui. Oh, Dr. Yui's got those I don't want to be like Dr. Yui. Why? He's a... Uh... <laughs> He's a fine gentleman. Seems great. Oh, All right. boy. We got a big oh. chapter to get through, though. We have a big quote to get through even before the chapter, Mike. Oh, my gosh. Uh, though, I mean, not um, too much to suss out of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is talking about uh, 
sort of looking at religion from a cynical perspective, mm-hmm. uh, which screams Bene Gesserit to me. <laughs> well, it is by the Princess Irulan. Well, no, uh, it's a collected saying of Moadib. Mm-hmm. So this is going to reflect oh, on Paul. This has nothing to do with uh, Irulan. She's going to be our historian for it. But like, you should think of this quote as like Paul looking back on. Like speaking e- about this moment, perhaps. Uh, his life. Uh, right. Let's be a little more broad. Uh, so I feel like some of them do line up with the chapters, though, like uh, the one with his father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of like perfectly judging it. Uh, and oh, actually, I'm glad you bring up uh, Leto in this because I was mentioning to you the uh, it uses sardonic in this, and sardonic means uh, it's like grimly mocking or cynical, and that's hmm. why I get the Bene Gesserit impression where this is like if you're part of a myth. So we know there is this whole myth built around Paul. We were right. tracking that uh, with kinds, I think, yeah. uh, while they were on their spice journey of like mm-hmm. every step of the way, Paul is like locking into these. So this is saying like if Paul were to become aware of that. You need to like look at the myth and bend yourself to it and basically manipulate it and play the role and know your right. Use it to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also just uh, being that sort of grimly mocking and cynical, having this come on the heels of our last couple chapters with Duke Leto, I think it's well placed. uh, Where we, I mean, we saw him unravel for two chapters and then they hit the sands. So he's he's had death on his mind now for the solid what have we been on Iraq is two days. Like we've definitely felt the mortality and a lot of the uh the analogies we've had here. But I I mean Leto himself I think definitely feels that mortality as well. And I think there's even a line here that we're gonna hop right into mm-hmm. talks about his mortality. <laughs> Indeed. Are we gonna go right into that with it? Yeah, why not? Yeah, start off. Uh, we'll hit right into uh, this chapter opens up. Uh, mm-hmm. We have the Duke is he's going through the house. Now, we've I think we've seen some of the we've never actually seen the dining room. This is our first time in there. We sent Mapes off there. That's go, right. She had to go finish a job and we're going <laughs> to we're going to see what do. she did. I also like that. Uh, El Muerte is in the first paragraph of this chapter. <laughs> Our first character, <laughs> El Muerte. We got him back, everyone. But so uh, the Duke, he's going to uh, inspect the dining room and then he's going to head down to where all the guests are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, coming into this uh, dining hall, we're uh, looking over the table. We see the bull and the portrait are Mm -hmm. on the wall. So they made it. Right. However she got them up there, (laughs) she did it. And uh, there is an unlit chandelier in the middle. And following the chain up kind of with his eyes, he then, like, looks into the shadows. We know there's a poison snooper Mm -hmm. concealed up there. And uh, I think the Duke Leader, he has this thing of, like, um... You can plumb us by our language, the precise and delicate delineations for ways to administer treacherous death. That is a beautifully crafted sentence. And uh, yeah, we talk about uh, this is uh, Mike, where I definitely learned chow murky and chamas really thoroughly. (laughs) Well, you know what? I found another word for poison, and I might try and get you with that at some point. You got a, you got a, is it almas? Because I know that one. That's not almas. Okay. Another one. There, there could be, we actually covered two, didn't we, when we went over poisons? Well, it was chamas and almas. No, no, the assassin's handbook. We did that deep dive. Oh. And there was the gas one. And um, one more. I don't remember the third well, one. This is how quickly they leave my mind as well sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot of wine that day. I can't remember the specifics of the Assassin's mm. Handbook. So now I wonder if we covered it then. <laughs> you might want to double check before you spring this <laughs> yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then we got a, a quick view of the table. The table, I, lo- I love the description of um, it said uh, each thing was like an archipelago mm. of service. Like yeah. on the table, the silver kind of all spread out over it them mm-hmm. and we learned that there is a custom here that the harkonnens had set up we Wait. don't know if the harkonnens set it up actually no one ever says that 
You're you're right. It could come before them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, Leto, he gives us a line of like the Harkonnens would perform like every degradation that right. they could. That, like, that oh, they I think uh, implies like they would have been the ones who instituted this. Uh, at the very I, least, we know they were here for 80 years. That's true. So. I just I just think it's a little presumptuous. Sure. But I mean, with how quickly uh, the Duke changed it. Sure. Uh, I think it's just I guess, yeah, whoever's in charge, I can do what they want. That's what, yeah, I think they set, like, custom is going to be a broad thing, and I don't really get the sense that there's, like, uh, an Arakeen custom that the ruling family ever cares about, right. being, like, the Harkonnens before. Um, but the minor houses, uh, and maybe that's kind of what we're going to call the Arakeen people in this mm-hmm. one, who do take part of this custom, uh, it, it's important to them to some extent. Right. And so with this custom, they go up and they wash their hands before dinner and basically like cup several scoops of water, just throw like, it on the floor, yeah, throw it to the ground, wash it, which is liquid like gold or diamonds at this point. It's just people. Yeah. And, yeah. Just, yeah. Just pretty people. much. It's just people <laughs> throwing it onto the ground and then wiping their hands with a towel mm-hmm. and then throwing that onto the ground too, just sort of slopping it all towards yeah. the door. So it's just, well, it's this big, big puddle forming. Yeah. So it's not even towards the door. Cause like somebody's going to scoop this all up. Oh, gotcha. And, uh, basically, uh, one of the like housemaids will bring all this shit and take it to the front door. And then they ring out the towels to the beggars. Yeah. Now in a perfect world, I think even with this custom, they are, the beggars ask, they just ring the towel out for them. Mm-hmm. Leto though, he, one, he's going to change this custom. So he pulls someone over and he's right. like, we're not doing this. And like, this is not representative of the Atreides. Exactly. I want a permanent base to govern from. That's mm. always his goal. So this is over. And he tells this woman, like, we're not doing this anymore. Um, you're going to take this and we're just going to give a cup of water to any beggar who comes while we're dining for dinner. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the Atreides policy. And the woman goes through this array of emotions on her face. <laughs> and Leto gets his little, you know, every now and then he pulls out these Bene Gesserit moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reads someone really well. I mean, and 16 years with Lady Jessica. I'm sure he learned at least something. Well, I, yeah. And how what? Yeah. Uh, I don't know who was more forceful. Him just being suspicious and like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. people. And this was a pretty easy uh, graph to see through. Mm-hmm. So this woman was going to sell, he thinks, these, uh, this water for copper. She's probably doing it her whole life. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, maybe she needs to. We don't really know what her position is or her life right. is like. So, like, I'm not going to judge her too heavily. And, uh, yeah, so to make sure this is done, he's going to even post a guard by the door. Right. Uh, so, Lido, he's still not in a great mood. <laughs> Things are still testy. Um, how, but just a little sidetrack before. So, he's going to leave now. This is all we do in this little dining room before, and he heads to right. the Great Hall. But how much time do you think has passed since our Spice Venture? So that's a great question because we know for a fact they're uh, they're gonna find the carryall in this chapter, right? And that one went missing, so it was like early morning. We know we went on that right. spice venture. Leto uh, was furious, so I feel like he would have sent a lot of resources to go find out what happened. Mm-hmm. So a part of me wants to say it's the same day, but at the same time, that gives Lady Jessica only the day what, of the day to of orchestrated dinner for the next the following day right and she, she does she she does say that she put it together like incredibly it, quickly yep um but i think the biggest factor is duncan duncan came back and we don't right. know, and we sent duncan away not two chapters ago well it was that night or the previous night i guess the night before right right oh yeah 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 it was the night before the spice run so we don't know how far he got and uh it was only maybe, what, an hour or so, or almost immediately after the council meeting that uh, they decided, oh, we need to bring Duncan back, actually. They probably could have radioed him before he got too far. Potentially. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, well, I don't think they could radio the Fremen. But Duncan. 
I'm sure it has some sort of communication device on him. But if he's out in the desert at all. How would they send for Duncan? I don't know. I, I think you would send a Fremen messenger. I'm not sure. I don't know the logistics of like, because like basically the Fremen are so adept at this desert movement. Mm-hmm. They have sort of this whole different form of transportation compared to like the great houses. And since they're not like aligned and the Fremen are already like um, a little secretive in their motions, I just don't know how ingrained they would bring the Atreides in day one. We'll tell you what, based off of how long the first day was chapter wise and how many chapters it took us to get through it. I'm going to say that a lot can happen in a single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I'm going to sure. say that this is the night of the second day as uh, just my best guess. Okay. And then, so I want to go, I think it's a following day. Okay. I think we have one, like a one 24 hour period in between where we've done little bits in the house. Jessica wrapped this up. We got, uh, Idaho back somehow. Cause like I said, yeah, he's here. He's watching Jessica now. Mm-hmm. I just feel like we would have, uh, we would have had more, but I think uh, like any more time than that. And it seems, uh, like we would have gone too far. Yeah, because uh, like I said, we are going to find this carryall, and I don't. Uh, I guess with them finding the carryall, I don't think he would have let that be missing for too long before, no, like no. we would have gotten. No, to a he conclusion. would have sent a lot of resources out to find that and find out what happened. So yeah, so we're gonna kind of conclude like between one to two days, uh, or like the end of the day and like right. another day, uh, twenty-four to forty-eight hours. Dun dun, first forty-eight. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that's where we are about time-wise. Very close window though. Yeah. Uh, Either way, like, even if Leto's had that full amount of time that I want to give him, he has not simmered down. He no. has not cooled off. Do you think he slept that next night? No. <laughs> no, I don't think this man. I think That's where been... Paul gets it from. <laughs> <laughs> I learned it from watching you. <laughs> yeah, but Leto takes his drugs. He's doing anti-fatigue <laughs> like true. nobody's That's business. <laughs> he doesn't pocket those. <laughs> so... We follow Lido. Uh, we get down. We take a little passage from the dining hall, mm-hmm. and it leads us to the Great Hall, which yeah. we've done before. That was where this whole shindig started for us. And he sees Jessica um, in the middle of a group standing before the fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a quick overview of some of the people that are going to be joining us tonight, Mike. We have a steel, steel suit manufacturer down from Carthag. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've talked about steel suits before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the guy. When I say there are terrible steel suits, they're his. Every one of them. <laughs> this guy. No. If you want to die in the desert, he's your man. <laughs> uh, an electronics <laughs> equipment importer who mm-hmm. I don't think speaks for the rest of the chapter. So we don't get a name associated with them. <laughs> no, neither for the steel suit, nor the steel suit guy's daughter. Who is always referred to as like the steel suit manufacturer's daughter. She speaks though. She, like, she has speak. lines. She's got a few. You would think that she would have a name. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, she's kind of a puppet, so. I guess, yeah, true. She is a prop. Uh, we have a water shipper whose summer mansion was near his polar cap factory. Ooh. We have a representative of the Guild Bank. Lean and remote, that one. So there are polar caps, so there is like water there. Yeah, you know that for sure. Right, right. We saw that globe that one time. Right, right. And we had little diamond puller caps. Yep. So it makes so, sense uh, that there'd be a water factory up there. And I think only on the north at that. Um, we yeah, don't, they don't go like south of the equator for anything. We right? never. Yeah, we well alone. We never talk about the South Pole in general. Like, there's nothing down there either. There's like, I wonder why. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they just aren't. I mean, maybe there just isn't a polar like ice cap there, so there's no reason to go there. Yeah. And if yeah, it, there's no shield wall, why would you want to go there? Ooh, that's a good, maybe the shield, that could be the point that mm-hmm. I'm missing. Yeah, I forgot how big the shield wall is on, like, the environment of the North right. for, like, the people of the Imperium. You're right, maybe so. there, that could be what, maybe that, right. that lets a storm just, like, ravage the North Pole. I don't know how that yeah. works, but I like it. 
Um, we have a, a dealer in replacement parts for spice mining equipment. Oh, we're going to need to talk to him. I think that's an ally. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to want to keep him. A, uh, a thin and hard-faced woman whose escort service for off-planet visitors reputedly operated as a cover for various smuggling, mm. spying, and blackmail operations. She seems like she'd be a good ally, too. Yeah. You know what she reminds me of? Is the Bene Gesserit house on Gamont. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that they trade the lay, the lay sisters who were spies and stuff. That totally strikes me as, like, uh, where that would be. Totally cool. But, um... Do we get her name? No, we I don't. don't. We so do. that's another one. We do, we only get, um, I think, the water shipper's name, to be honest with you. Hmm. And then there's a smuggler and a few other people who I'm so going to get to. So this is less to introduce us to new characters and more so to introduce us to what kind of people are gathering here. Yes. I think we're seeing the breadth of the small of the minor houses. Right. And, and how much money they would have to have, too. If you're in charge of all the water, probably have a ton of money. If you uh, are constantly making runs through space... You probably have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, just dealing with the guild yeah. in general. Yeah, these are these are all power players on Arrakis. Right. That should not be underestimated. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why they are at the Ducal residence for dinner. Right. For the first guests that we're bringing into the house and to meet these people. That's pretty exciting. Uh, so I think I think like uh, by highlighting all these job positions, yeah, we're saying like these are the areas of influence on Arrakis. And these businesses. A lot of these people are meeting the Duke for the first time. I assume. Yeah, uh, you must assume all of them. Yeah, because uh, they seem kind of surprised. Like when he shows up, no one seems to recognize him. Right. Be like, oh, hey, or have any sort of familiarity. Um, and now this one in this chapter, I think we uh, get to be a little shame on Frank for one not naming any of the women. But yeah. two, very much grouping them and just being like, we're going to set them all aside. <laughs> They're all in that corner and we're going to look at them once and that's it. And he just says like they were all cut from a similar type. You know, they are just decorative. That is kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we get Jessica, but that's it. Um, it only, was, only to say that like she was like the best of them all. Yeah. Oh, this is like uh, this. I like to think of from Lita's position as the husband of like. Yeah. So there he is distancing himself from her. And uh, because. Uh, he wants everyone else to think that Harkonnens right. have gotten between them. He wants them. to see who holds the knife. But Jessica doesn't know this. I know. And now this is, you were getting the position that like she's noticed the distance between them and she is trying to like bridge that gap. Right. So she's dressed herself in the colors she knows he loves and right. adores. And it's like these uh, warm brown and earthy colors contrasting like with the red of her everything. hair, standing in front of the red of the fire and this red light being cast on her. And uh, yeah, he realized she had done this to taunt him subtly. <laughs> And yeah, it's just her trying to get back and figure out what's wrong. Like, what did I do wrong? And, you know, she even runs it in her head at one point thinking of like, what did I do in this past like couple of days or something? Like, <laughs> was it because I put off? together this thing too quickly? Or is it because yeah, I invited was, this is guy? It this dinner? Yeah. Is it all this? And uh, uh, looking around the room, Leto also, Leto also sees Idaho is back. And like I said, yeah, we've brought him back under Hawat's orders. Right. He's watching her under pretext of guiding her. You will keep Lady Jessica under constant surveillance. And uh, finally, we have Paul, and uh, he's trudging around with all the like a group of girls, uh, these young girls from it that are all clinging on to him, right? And he's treating them all equally. It says, just sort mm -hmm. of like his heir. With uh, what was it? What does it say? A heir of reserved nobility. Mm -hmm. That that uh, goes back to that uh, uh, description that Kynes had too. Like I think he just treats everyone with that same respect and air except for lady or uh guys Helen Mahayim. oh i i kind of got that as the appearance of how paul is acting like he's treating them all fair and then he has this air of nobility about him oh you know like just a, he's playing it up in this manner um but i kind of see where you're coming from too 
And either way, the Duke, like, looking down on me, it's just like, he's going to wear this title well. He's going to do well. going to be a good Duke. And then, oh, the sudden chill of, like, that was another death thought. Oh, <laughs> oh God, Duke. <laughs> and uh, so as he has this death thought, too, I feel like Paul catches it. Because the line right after that mm. is, Paul Paul saw his father in the doorway. And avoided, avoided his, his eyes. eyes. And just sort of, like, looks away. Um, so then we kind of jump in Paul's point of view real quick. Mm. And Paul's, uh, he's looking around, and he sees the people, and they all have unobtrusive portable snoopers are with them. Yeah, so they're little snoopers you can get, too. And I just like how everyone, you know, like, mini snoops. coyly bring in and over their cup <laughs> real quick and checking. I'm like, hmm. But nobody trusts yeah. anybody. Yeah, and I bet you do that after every sip, too. Like, not even take uh, it for granted. Yeah. Maybe not every sip, but... No, I, what, yeah, no, what I, if someone were able to, like, sneak a little something in? Well, I'm saying certainly if you put your cup down. Right. But, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, like, you check it a couple times. I don't think uh, there's any problem with that. That would be pretty safe to do. And uh, he... Paul is suddenly repelled by them. Says uh, they were cheap masks locked on festering thoughts, and then Paul follows it up with like, "Oh, I'm in a sour mood." And yeah. Like, oh, what would Gurney say to that? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I hope he like just sort of eyes the room because Gurney is sitting in an alcove right now. He is yeah. in there. We got him too. Man, Gurney's just chilling in the shadows. Yeah, he's just hanging. Hey, if he doesn't have to, he's not going to work. That's true. He's going to play the. He's going to play the battle. Smarter, song. not harder. Uh, and then, uh, we finally get a little bit of insight that Paul did not want to come here tonight at all. So a little bit of his mother in him, mm-hmm. not wanting to go to formal occasions, but well, it, when you notice all the nuances of someone, you can tell if they're like, you know, faking, uh, being polite or no, uh, liking your company or anything like that. Sure. Everyone sort of is like putting on, uh, like he says, a mask or uh, a facade and presence like why would you want to be a part of that oh yeah yeah so paul like, not, know, yeah. knowing this is what he's going to walk in and it's, it's not gonna like be, you can it's just, gonna be so fake it's not like you can just turn it off either like once you've been trained to do this i'm sure that like you just notice these things mm-hmm. i mean i don't even uh i don't even know about turning it off or on like i don't think it's a super deep depth that you're saying he's like analyzing down to i think yeah a formal dinner in like this kind of setting with all these people from businesses coming to meet the Duke. Mm-hmm. There's got, yeah, there's no small talk. We're not going to be friends. Everyone's right. going to be playing a game and it's going to be very obvious. Yeah. I can see him not wanting anything to do with that. And he knows mm. also where, uh, at the very end of this chapter, Jessica's going to be like, Oh, wait a second. These girls are trying to seduce him. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Paul caught that like right at this moment where <laughs> right. he's treating he's them those... all equally. And he's like, Oh, I can't even talk to any of you. Cause like, you're just all playing a game right, right. now. Uh, and probably Ken blames him like, this is why Paul never really got to have any friends. Uh, and he's used to being a loner, though. True. You think that's why he didn't get to have any friends? I mean, part of it is like the isolation of him. Mm. Uh, just a little bit out of protection. I, I think, oh, yeah. Maybe not sole reason. Uh, but, I mean, we got rid of all those orphans, Mike. We had to have done it for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the orphans. The orphan room. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> having fun. They're having cotton candy in there. There's a room full of toys. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a window from across the field. <laughs> uh, the sound of laughter. <laughs> Not in Paul's room. So. <laughs> Tears for Fear starts playing in the background. <laughs> we uh, then are going to kind of hop back in uh, Lido's point of view. And uh, as he comes up into the room, he's uh, walking in and the water shipper is talking to Jessica. Mm. And he asked... Um, 
Oh, what does he ask about? Is it just Is the, it true the Duke will put in a weather control? Oh, weather control. That was right. You want to go right to weather. We keep coming back to that. I thought it was just sort of a, a small now, thing to ponder and think about. But consider this man's position and a weather control satellite. I mean, if water's no longer valuable, this man loses all of his money and assets. Mm-hmm. And he's Hawking, this is before the Duke comes up behind him. Yeah. So he's trying to ask this kind of to the family before the Duke arrives. He's just trying to get, yeah, a feel so, for like, so what's what's going on here? So Leto comes up behind him and it's like, ahem, uh, answers his question. Do you think anyone and, knows that Lady Jessica is Benny Gesserit? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I bet everyone does. Okay. Um, it's not, like, uh, all the Fremen know. Like, it's part of that myth. They all seem to know. Okay. So I think that's not, like, uh, I think it's, it's like. It's not a, like a secret or anything. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an open thing that institutions you're tied to. Okay. Uh, maybe because yeah, even if you're uh, one of Ben uh, Bene Gesserit of hidden rank, I think it's still disclosed that like you have a Bene Gesserit in your group. I just I just wonder how like uh, the rest of the nobility treats Bene Gesserit on a like a day to day basis, or how much they really know about the school as a whole. Uh, we're gonna get a good idea of what they know in the coming chapter. Um, okay. So we'll check on that one. But I would put them. They treat them probably like they do mentats. Okay. Uh, they think it's a benign order. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a tool. I think they're regularly part of houses. You know, they integrate themselves right. intentionally for that matter. Um, so, and then they're recognized as like diplomats okay. in a way. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it'd be weird. Um, I think her, the water shipper addressing her would be more because she is like the lady of the house. Mm-hmm. Cause she is like kind of the de facto one hosting right now, especially right. while Lido's like, uh, attending to whatever. And she is entertaining everyone. Uh, but so Lido, he transfer. We don't really uh, dive into the weather satellites. Uh, we just go into the weather, or I'm sorry, the laving basin. And he talks about how he uh, changed his custom, and he explains mm. it to the whole group there. And the water shipper, he's feeling like he can push somebody, and he he wants to see how far he can go, and tells the duke, like, is that a ducal order, my lord? Yeah. See how much leash he has. Mm-hmm. And the duke's just like, okay, we're gonna play the. <laughs> we're like, we'll test this out right now. He's like, I'll leave that to your own conscience <laughs> like a choice word there so now this is again the, the women thing that gets so shut down in this whole chapter but so it says like a woman starts to say how generous giving water is and she is shushed mm. we don't know who shushed her but like okay so we're not going to talk about giving water that is kind of significant though that like so this woman be like oh giving away is great and like shut up like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> don't encourage that uh, these people are all trying these this is graph behind us these mm. are like Old Harkonnen people are people that used to feed off of the Harkonnens, essentially. Right. So there yeah. may still be like some loyalties as well. Yeah, uh, we're gonna allude to the uh, Lingard Butte. We forced him to sign a yeah. uh, one of those contracts of allegiance. So uh, while this is happening, Kynes is gonna come up. So he is also at dinner tonight, mm-hmm. and he is in very different attire. He's gonna show up in all imperial clothing now. He's in this like former little thing. Yeah, it and says it's the old, right? An yeah. old style. Do you think this was Pardot's? Ooh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Um, just maybe different from like, uh, I was going to say kind of like what the Sadokara would bring in. But yeah, I don't know what to make of that, actually. We've hmm. we never seen the new Imperium. I guess I just don't know why it would be called old style. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they add that? Yeah, yeah. Like, what nostalgia is that sort yeah. of owning up? And we've heard that a couple times, though, the old Imperium. Maybe uh, it's uh, indicative of like the old tradition Empire. or something. Of what? Of like tradition or something. Yeah. Yeah, something long standing, and uh, I think especially because we're gonna put this up against how we dressed as the Fremen last time. Right, right, right. Uh, so now we are in these normal clothes in this setting, mm-hmm. very different. 
And uh, the gold hair is no longer on his uh, lapel. He is now replaced with a gold teardrop of rank. So what was it before? It was a hair. Oh, and like then, a rabbit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and now it's a teardrop. Now it's just a teardrop of rank. And he doesn't, oh. So this is like very, uh, I think it'd be like Is a, the hair not uh, an imperial thing then? No, no, it is not. Oh. Nor the second smaller hair clip that was on the outside of his cloak. So we just want to point that out as we go forward. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it. It's something. It's something. So the water shipper is getting angry at Leto. It's kind of changing the customs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Leto's telling me it's been changed. And he notes Butte's got in like an oily tone. And the way like the heads are all sorting to turn towards them as Butte keeps pushing on these customs. Yeah. Of just like not letting this go, even though the Duke sort of said it's done. And Jessica tries to like give him an out. Of just being like, you know, uh, I believe it's time. You know, we go on to the next room. Dinner's ready, mm. so to speak. And Lido's like, oh, hi. But our guest has some questions. And uh, it's like, oh, like, no, no. No, we're going to finish this conversation. Yeah, I think he like looks over Butte. And this is when um, this uh, image from, I think, uh, the bit from Hawat comes to his mind. And like, the water shipper is a man to watch. Lingar Butte. Remember the name. The Harkonnens used him, but never fully controlled him. Now... Butte asks, this is what he's kind of been pushing towards. Like, he's yeah. been building towards this intentionally. And that's going to be, a, through this whole dinner, everyone's got a track they want to get the conversation it's on. A, it's all about water and value to him. Mm-hmm. Like, water is money to him. Like, why? Like, giving it away for free. Like, why? Yeah. Why would you even do that? It's like, and you, he's kind of talking to them, like, oh, so we're changing the customer, we're going to give away? What about this conservatory on your you roof? just going to give that away, too? Yeah, are we just going <laughs> to open that one up for everyone? Or are you going to, like, uh, I think he says, like, hold, uh, what is it, something in their faces? Uh, yeah, uh, do you intend to continue flaunting it? Flaunting it in their faces. Now, Lita, he's got a, <laughs> he's holding back some anger, staring at this This man. is just a series of power plays. Like, what's yeah. going on here? And so, I get kind of unexpected from this little man. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I just came in to get you guys for dinner. And he's like, it's take bravery for him to challenge in my own ducal castle. Which, I love that we're calling it a ducal castle now. Ducal castle, <laughs> kind of, that's right. We've been, we've been searching for the right <laughs> word to call this house. Ducal castle. Ducal castle it. is set. And um, he's and like, especially now that I got Butte's signature over a contract of allegiance, which I wonder if that was forged too, or if he did sign it to come to dinner. As like a Do you think uh, Gurney and some boys came knocking on his door like, we need you to sign something. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Leto needs you to sign this. Or they just show you it already yeah. signed. And be like, oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Any back. questions cracking their knuckles? Uh, yeah. So this action, he kind of gauges and assesses like this took knowledge of personal power. Like, right. Butte is confident of his position on Arrakis. Uh, and he th- laid us no fool. He does think about the fact that like I can't just destroy his assets because his assets are the waters of Arrakis. No, even more so. It's that this man could destroy his own assets. Oh, true, and destroy the Duke. Yeah, and yeah. Hold it. like, was that he's thinking like, is this the club that Butte held over the Harkonnens? The man looked capable of such a thing: destruction of water facilities. Um. So yeah, at the end, he's thinking like, at the moment's notice, this guy could just have these all set to blow whenever. Yeah, just to keep himself safe and be like, I will never yield. But someone mm-hmm. comes to the rescue, Derek. Jessica, like I said, she tries to give him an out. Yeah, uh, but she's like, I have other plans for our conservatory. We intend to keep it, certainly, but only to hold it in trust for the people of Arrakis. And this is the critical part for her. It is our dream that someday the climate of Arrakis may be changed sufficiently to grow such plants anywhere in the open. 
Now, we have uh, two separate kind of things here. I, I want to take that side step to highlight Kynes' uh, mm-hmm. reaction at this point. I just love Leto's reaction. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Jessica, yeah, yeah, that's you. what I want to double back to. But let's, uh, Kynes, because uh, uh, Leto's going to turn his attention over to him. and See, Kynes looks transfixed, like a man in love. He appeared uh, or caught in a religious trance. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting. And it's because of that dream line. And this is going off yeah. of where we were following Kynes through all last right, chapter. Right, right, right. So... Uh, imagine that break in between for him. If we're putting this for one day or two mm-hmm. days. Like he's been probably dwelling on that whole journey he's through the prophecy. Like <clears throat> this, and then he comes to dinner, and we're not but like twenty minutes into dinner, and they're already <laughs> more prophecy. More prophecy. <laughs> we're talking about our dreams, but we will. We'll touch back to that for now. Back to Leto. Bless her. He thought, which is like, well, maybe you should stop being a jerk to her then. <laughs> um, and, he uh he kind of turns the duke or and he tells a butte like you might want to diversify your holdings there. <laughs> he gets a little quibbing on him, and uh, I love this has but just put butte in Leto's crosshairs. I feel like butte yeah. messed up entirely. Oh, okay, it's just like note to self: have Hawa put a target on him. Yeah, redouble infiltration <laughs> efforts. Like those are going to be my and make my own water facilities. Yeah. of like cool guy, I'm gonna invest enough to just make you useless now. Like mm-hmm. that is all you earn tonight. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Check who's next. Um, uh, so, Butte, uh, oh man, I think, oh, um, I'm sorry. So, before actually Butte comes up, Kynes in this uh, revelry and awe mm-hmm. in love with Jessica, he speaks something and it only Jessica kind of hears it. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Do you bring the shortening of the way? Yeah, Mike, what's another way to say shortening of the way? Did, I did we learn chapter, something like that? From chapter one. Ooh, was it not chapter three? No, it was. Oh, no, it was chapter three. You're right. Aha. Because I believe I've confused those many times. Yeah, that's talking right. to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Because that's uh, where we talk about it. And we know that's Kwisatch Haderach. That is the way uh, Gaius Helamahayim defined that for us. So no one seems to hear that. That, like, just mm-hmm. kind of cuts through right to Jessica's ears. And certainly, I mean, it would have sounded like nothing to it. Uh, and then Butte just keeps talking. He kind of like focuses on kinds at this point and is sort of, I think, trying to regain some face of like, he's been knocked down in front of everyone by Leto a little bit being like, well, you're going to need to, you know, find a new job essentially. So, um, he takes one at, uh, kinds and he says like, it is said, um, uh, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, what is the, I have a kinds of thing on here. Do you have a, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Butte says to kinds, uh, like, ah, Dr. Kynes, you come in from trampling around with your mobs of Fremen. How gracious of you. Yes, that's it. That, so, like, yeah. this is where I feel like Butte is trying to regain a little face. And yeah. be like, well, if I'm not going to be the lowest one on the totem pole tonight. Yeah. So you, Fremen scum, and, <laughs> like, throws, try to throw Kynes, like, under the bus. Uh, and now, why? Why Kynes? Oh, yeah, and I feel like he's going he's gonna to regret his <laughs> words first. So Kynes looks just, I imagine this, so we call this an unreadable glance. Mm-hmm. I don't know from whose perspective that is looking at it, uh, but just, know, like, we know how rough Kynes is. For him to just look at you with those blue and blue eyes. Yeah. And then go, oh, it is said in the desert, the possession of water in great amount can inflict a man with fatal carelessness. Eesh. And then I'm sure kind of nonchalantly just stands well, yeah. and not even going to break a sweat. Now, that line, to, for <laughs> me, it reminded me of another line we've heard, Mike, on the note from Lady Margot Fenring. Oh, too much of a desired thing. Yeah. The uh, proximity that, of a desirable thing tempts one to overindulgence. And that path lies danger. that path lies danger. So I feel like there's, I mean, there's a little difference to them, but just that both of them are talking about being close to something or taking, uh, taking something for granted to some extent mm. can just be fatal. 
Um, so we're getting these dual warnings and it's building up for us. And now Jessica, she is uh, actually rattled by what Kynes had said being the shortening of the way. That's not known to a lot of people. No. And, she and the fact that she go, said, do you bring the shortening of the way? That he or said Or that, that he said it. Yeah. 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 And um, I think, was it last chapter we learned that there was a, the uh, Mahdi might even be brought in or, um, or did I just tell you that? That, that like the Bene Gesserit might either bring him or make or him it, on the world. Yeah, that he, it's not clear if they, he'd be brought to the world or born on right. the world. So that's kind of why I think he would use the word bring. Did you bring mm -hmm. that with you? Is it here? Um, and uh, so Jessica Shakema, she has to go and take Leto's arm to calm herself. Like she needs someone right now just to be like, whoa. And she kind of grabs onto him. And this Quisatadarak is running through her head. Uh, she wants, she's looking around seeing no one else caught it. And she wants to talk to Kynes. Kynes is sort of now talking to one of the escorts mm -hmm. at this point, which he just very, he's going to have a great dinner. Uh, nothing like seems to really stick on Kynes his whole meal. He's no. just casually going to, to like missionary, or I'm sorry, talking about the prophecy. Sure. I'll slip that out real quick. And then I'll just talk to this escort. And right. Then right, we'll right. Wait for it to come back around. He doesn't overplay his hand. Like the water seller does. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never. He's not. Yeah. He he only slips up like once or twice. If you get him he excited, slip up once. if he gets excited about science, that's his undoing. <laughs> he can't hold it back. Science. Um, but so this is uh yeah shortening or shortening of the way missionary protectiva for sure. It's been hammered in here. Um, and now we uh start talking about the mentioning of the changing of arrakis. This makes kinds kind of come back to attention. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, a guard also enters and announces dinner's ready. So this sort of hey. all wraps up right quick. And uh, we're going to make our way into the actual dining hall. And Lido and Jessica are standing there. There's another custom. Uh, right. And um, I think uh, Jessica brings it up, too. Yeah. Of, like, the custom, you know, is for us to follow our guests in. Are we going to change that custom as well? Yeah. And Lido, uh, he has to I be think, kind I of I don't think jerk. she says it in, like, a sort of the... Uh, like a goading way, like the water seller does. I think it's more of a playful way. Um, I mean, I think it's reaching. You think? I think it's like, again, her trying to like uh, patch the divide between them kind of hmm. deal. I mean, like, what is wrong? Like, or maybe trying to feel like, how wrong is it? Like, do we, do you want me to walk away? Do you want to right. be alone? Like, where? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised she doesn't, do you want to marry me? What are, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing, guy? <laughs> but I think it's all, it is kind of open to interpretation too. It's a quick thing, but either way, Lido is sort of just like, nah, it's a, it's a goodly custom. And, uh, they're gonna stand there. And, uh, it also serves sort of a purpose where like, as all these people are filtering out. So Lido wants them to believe this rumor. And he's like, and I want to see which of you do believe it. Right. Right. Of, like if we're going to stand here, we're going to stand here awkwardly. Like that is cool. The other thing he's like dedicated to, like, I'm going to make this really weird for her. And she is going to show it through uh. every emotion on her face. Uh, but so Jessica, she's troubled by this and wonders if it's cause like, yeah, she had set up the dinner early. Uh, we also learned that, uh, Howat was not on board with Leto being exposed to all these people and probably specifically over the dinner. It's like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe even specifically like this custom of having to like stand at the doorway while everyone walks right by you. <laughs> Just like the one person who can slip a kinjal out, like yeah. he doesn't have a shield on that's gone right now. Mm -hmm. Um, hope to God no one has a gom jabbar. Uh, just a little poke on the neck. I and don't think anyone would have access to that. It seemed like, oh, unless Lady Jessica. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, I didn't think anyone had a Chris knife, but I'm, they I'm, are everywhere. I'm with Lado, though. Like, 16 years, 
She would have done it by now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the, that one assessment entirely. It'd be a long con at this point. Um, so uh, a grim smile touches the Duke's mouth. Uh, I'm thinking about how I, I'm just like, what a scene that had been. <laughs> Things move too swick- swiftly on Arrakis, uh, how it had said. It's not like the Harkonnens, not like them at all. You think uh, Thufir is having his blood pressure checked right now? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I've been like every hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, ooh, ooh. <laughs> just got something. Hyperventilated into a bag. He, oh my God, he can't be, he, I mean, he can't be sleeping for sure mm-hmm. after the uh, assassination incident. Atreides don't sleep. That's just mm-hmm. what we know. <laughs> That's what they're taught. That's None how they're soldiers. Raised. None of their nobility. Eventually, they'll just not have eyelids. Like, oh, you God. don't need them, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Always alert. So, um, watching these people go by, um, Paul is one of the last ones to go by, and he shoots his father a sour glance because he has the um, steel suit manufacturer's daughter is like clinged onto his arm. Yeah, at it's this like, point. Uh... it's just like, dude, I did not want to be here. I hate you, father. Like, and I want you to know this. And uh, then there's also a scarred man who was a late addition by Gurney is uh, walking through. This yeah. is Esmar Tuick. That's the name I feel like we should remember. Yeah. He is a really cool man. Uh, He has a uh, son we're going to meet later on, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll meet another Tuick. So Um, we've, uh, this was a late arrival. mm -hmm. uh, Arranged the, uh, Gurney arranged the invitation, but it was Lady Jessica that wanted him to be here. So maybe another um, significant measure for our time, and that Gurney Mm -hmm. was also dispatched to be ambassador to the smugglers. Oh, that's right. So he would have had to gone out there, make some acquaintances, and invite this guy back here. Right. So I, I think that kind of puts it more towards a whole day in there, between. We do but, know there's value, though, because even Thufer gave the go-ahead for this one. Right. So we have value on multiple ways, and uh, we'll get to that point where Jessica will elaborate, I think, on the most important piece for mm-hmm. it. But uh, right in the beginning, she's telling him, like, um, Tuik will sow doubt and suspicion just by his presence. He'll also serve notice that you're prepared to back up your orders against Graft by enforcement on the smugglers' end as well. So we're gonna uh, basically consider Tuick like uh, head of the smugglers, right? Kind of like he's the the mob boss uh, mm-hmm. that goes through. He's controlling the North Pole. He's our Santa Claus, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think I assume that's where. It, no, I guess they're like a kind of deep desert. I think it's only the water shipper that's up on the North Pole. But is the water shipper our Santa? Yeah, Claus? I guess Butte's our Santa Claus. Butte's a bad Santa. <laughs> Santa's a bad Santa. He's a, he breaks and enters. He's just a, look, he's a criminal, Mike. He's That's a criminal. <laughs> he's enslaving a whole race of people. We don't have time to dig into Santa, though. <laughs> so, uh, Jessica also, so, um, or I'm sorry, she, right before I get to that last point, Leto asks her a pretty cutting question. Okay. Of just, uh, why didn't you invite any Fremen? Jessica yeah. replies. It's like, I, I, we invited Kynes. Not even that, just, there's Kynes. She's so straightforward. How does she know he's Fremen? Now, he could have told her if we're having a day between, but I also just wonder if she read that through him. I bet she did. She's Benny Gesserit. She's yeah. met Mapes. Yep. She's got at least some baseline registry for what a Fremen mm-hmm. is like. Yeah. So whether if it was from like the intel within the family at this point or she made that assessment on her own, she somehow just cuts right through it like, that's a Fremen. So I think well, this is 100%. This guy's Fremen. I think... We're, it was shrouded in mystery last time a little bit. For sure, this guy's Fremen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
No, no. I, I, the Fremen Honor Guard was enough. Of the yeah, that really gave it away. Who uh, like leave the building entirely when he No one really makes me angry. Formal event. We're getting everyone's full names. We still don't get Dr. Kine's full name. I have a mystery to solve, Derek. Yeah, we have Lingar Butte, but we don't know. Does no one know his name? Question mark Kynes. <laughs> Just like never writes it down. Yeah, yeah. He scribbles it very allegedly. Uh, so, um... Then we get the last little bit of that uh, Jessica's sort of lamenting of the Duke of like, what? Why is he so remote? Like, don't you see why I brought him here? Yeah. Don't you see that Esmar Tuick could be our way out? Mm-hmm. Fast ships and away off this planet. Like, we could leave. We yeah. have another way to get to Tupile. Like, we can leave Paul. We can do this. We can leave Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that, that's what, I think that was, um, really pragmatic on her end and just super, super clever to use a smuggler and rely on him for that Mm -hmm. and piece that together. She's still trying to find an out. Yeah. Yeah. And within like, to do that within a couple of like 12 hour, 24 hour period. Yeah. That's good. She's been busy. She's not just assigning rooms. No, she's, yeah, we know she's been super busy doing all the other family stuff on the side. She's the Atreides secretary as well. Yeah. And well, you know, for a fact, she's the only one that's been here. Everyone else was at the command meeting. Right. Like she's the only one who's been in the house. I wonder if she didn't sleep either. If she was constantly doing this all night. I feel like Jessica always gets a solid eight. (laughs) <laughs> really i think she just has like good control of everything like, okay that's fair yeah. she's not stressed she knows her timing she can always go into like perfect meditation right, right, like right. yeah i think she gets a solid eight and Ooh. just like times herself and does her work uh-huh. all right all right uh so we're gonna follow everyone into the dining hall and they all take their seats at the table Lido uh heads up to the front of the table and he decides to give a little bit of a speech and yeah. he's playing into a bit of an act too jessica realizes where for some reason he's decided to pretend he's drunk. Um, right. And uh, come in sort of red faced into it. And he, uh, what does he do? He sort of like uh, holds up the toast to everyone and uh, he brings up these water bathing customs. And, and he's, he's like, he acts super angry. He does. Oh, and we also, he, because uh, right in this beginning, he says, as Chevalier of the Imperium, then I give you a toast. That right. title, Mike, do you remember that? Chevalier? Yeah. No. We did that in the Lido backstory. I forget. I think I um mispronounced it. I thought it was like a the Cavalier was the translation of that. Right. And it's different. Um, but we did refer to it as a knight, which is what it is exactly supposed to be. Right. Uh, but that was the oh. award that Shaddam the Fourth gave him. That was like the third time Shaddam had given that award in his life for the um rebel insurrection that he put down uh that right. was when he like overrode that battle plan and the harkonnens kind of got wiped out and he went in and saved right. the day uh so that's the award he got for it so again uh we found the all turn rank last time right where i think they're backfilling things and they find it in the book and then they elaborated on the encyclopedia mm-hmm. that's at least worth mentioned so I that's love really cool. in there and that's why he's known as the red duke it was also because he got that uh, medal. Right. like the medal is red i believe uh so he takes a sip of his water and then raises it back up. And the guests have to do everything he's going to do. This is mm-hmm. a big game of uh, Lido Says. Uh, <laughs> so what is that just like the custom? Like tradition? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you would drink with the person and you would, if they finish their glass, you would finish their gl- right. glass uh, kind of deal. So he takes a sip. They take a sip. 
he keeps it raised they keep it raised he does the macarena they do the macarena exactly and if he doesn't spill a drop you better not spill a drop Ooh. now uh he tells <laughs> gurney like um i think he says like you know i don't always have the words for it but gurney has the music gurney yeah. play a tune and he, he's holding the drink up while they bring out the food so no right. one can touch his food they all have to <laughs> hold the drink they have to hold and they wait up. and this oh gurney my. starts playing as the, the dude doesn't even sing he just like speaks the lyrics pretty much yeah he does like well he does like a spoken word and yeah. uh he says in olden times it was the duty of the host to entertain his guests with his own talents also a minor chord from the battle set set in what is that what does that mean it's it's usually it's usually like a uh more melancholy kind of uh tone that you get from it okay little like if you equate major and minor it's like happy sad kind of thing all right so oh okay so we're so minor we're chord it's very, setting a, a darker yeah. sadder tone and so the Duke, uh, he's gripping his uh, flagon, so his knuckles are turned white at this point. I think that's to really push forward this drunkenness, this anger, this like, uh, this is a man not in control, is what right. he's trying to project to people. And he says, uh, I cannot sing, but I give you the words of Gurney's song. Consider it another toast. A toast to all who have died bringing us to this station. Now that is a very directed comment, mm. where one... The troops around him and the family letting them know everyone who's died for us to get here. A very noble sacrifice in that. And I think to the people at the table of like, who have you killed to take your station? Ooh. Because I don't think, I don't, died to bring us there. Like, there's two ways you can look at that. Of someone dying, sacrificing for, and those killing to take from. I guess I didn't interpret that meaning when I first read that. I think that's the double. That's really I think it's a double meaning of a little smack to everyone. (laughs) And that's why it's an uncomfortable stirring sound around the table. (laughs) (laughs) Make a little more sense. (laughs) And Gurney's that minor note. Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys have killed to get where you are. Think about that. Now, uh, then... um, he does this little poem, and it's really... I just had the quick line of it here. Review, friends, troops long past review. And he kind of intones that. Like, that is, I like that. That is mournful. Even that alone, that one line there just kind of makes me think. And I, you can uh, pull so much from it and get kind of, like, lost. Give, in. Me, give me the full thing. I wanna, do, I wanna do put, you have, I, that's all I wanted to pull out of it. If you have the full quote we're with you, Mike. Yeah, I gotcha. Put your heart and soul into it. Sure. <clears throat> let me let get, get, into, your, get your little step voice into my lady. They, <laughs> they have tried to take <laughs> review friends troops long past review all to fate a weight of pains and dollars their spirits wear our silver collars review friends troops long past review each a dot of time without pretense or guile without them passes the lure of fortune review friends Troops long past review. When our time ends on the strictest smile, we'll pass the lure of fortune. Love it. Yeah. I like I didn't expect you to commit to the Duke Force, yeah. but I'm glad you Oh, you Duke gotta Force commit. <laughs> Derek, when you go Duke, you go full Duke. <laughs> full Duke. Never go half Duke. Never go half Duke. <laughs> it's called the count. <laughs> 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 you almost spit that wine in that brand new book, Mike. <laughs> so, oh, that got me. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Oh God, a little wine come up my nose. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's not pleasant. <laughs> I don't even care if I lose. Oh man, if I lose the glossary game now. <laughs> Killed you with a pun. Oh. Not even a pun. All right, so. 
Leto, uh, like I said, he's raised that flag in the whole time. Mm. Our entire meal has been put before us, or at least the first um, serving. And uh, he takes a big gulp now. Right. And then slams it down on the table, sloshing water. Spills everywhere a little and bit. And then upturns the flagon. And he does this knowing, by the way, what did what everyone we say, else has to do that? You got to do what Leto does. So Jeff, <laughs> this is like... We're going to go really quick right now, jumping into people's heads. Yeah. Like, we uh, switch over to Jessica. She's looking down the whole table and goes like, oh, she's the first one to follow. Like, we're doing this. Yeah. Up ends it. And then knows, like, I need to be watching everyone. That is right. what Lita needs to do. And then uh, Paul is right on her page. And I love it. We're like, boom. He's like, cool. Up and over. The people, nervous. Everyone on the table. They've never had to do anything like this before. Here's the thing. Like, it's one thing to just, like, Throw water to the peasants, knowing like, oh, I'm, they, I'm glad you were yeah. gonna bring back to that. I wanted to make sure we did mm-hmm. uh, connect, make the connection of how willing they were to be uh, like slopping this down for the poor and be like, ha, oh, there's mm-hmm. their water. But now like, this is the, what they were their water. Mm-hmm. This isn't hand cleaning water. This is potable drinking water. And uh, trembling, one woman drops her flagon yeah. entirely. It's basically taking a briefcase of millions of dollars and just burning it. <laughs> just like, everyone let your money on fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, oh, favorite part of the scene is Kynes. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica, they lock eyes. And Kynes is just casually holding an empty container underneath and pouring it into it. And this no shame whatsoever. It just looks right at her like, mm, yes. Oh. Yeah. Flagon's empty. <laughs> and then he toasts her with the empty flagon. Yeah. I'm just like, and I like to think he like, you know, closes the Completely, cap on the one with me, yeah. like pockets that one, just cheers. Completely unembarrassed. No. And like, yeah, I mean, you just, you see the Fremen in him and how quickly he was going to like deal with Butte back there. Mm-hmm. This is just normal stuff for him. He does not care about like the Imperium, it seems. This is like a an inconvenience for him. I, I thought he was more... I previous, I mean, previous to meeting him, I thought he was going to be more of uh, like Doctor Yui in a sense, more by like, the book. Yeah, by the book. Like this guy is going to be in someone's pocket. Yeah, and I think he's still well, sort of, or is. even like we heard he was judge of the change, but couldn't be bought. So I kind of, I thought he was going to be like letter of the law. Yeah. Um, this guy, yeah, no, I he doesn't seem to have any real appreciation or care for the Imperium whatsoever. Mm-mm. Like again, saying this guy is like full fremen. Yeah, yeah, we're, like, completely ignoring every aspect of the custom here. Like, yeah. let alone doing what the Duke does. Like, cool, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going like, to do that That is against everything I believe in. No, he's like, I will, and he's sort of, like, uh, going as far as he wants to. Yeah. And he's choosing he's not, where yeah, the he's line not, is. He's not trying to press anyone's buttons. He's just saying, this is what I do. And, mm-hmm. like, who's going to stop me? And it was kind of, kind of brings him back to the, uh, remember when we first met him in the beginning of the Spice Run? Yeah. He's a little more aggressive and independent. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like the beginning of that chapter. That version of kind, and like, let's be honest too. He's the judge of the change. Is anyone going to argue with him? Um, what for the water? Yeah. Oh no, Lido would be in the right for the water. You think so? Yeah, yeah. For a custom at dinner, I don't think judge of the change protects you there. Mm. <laughs> like, I think you're supposed to do what the host does. Ah. Uh, but like calling him out over it, yeah, would be a petty. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Nita's got to be my friend. This doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of all the reasoning why, so. uh that happens. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, was way longer than it should have been. <laughs> yep. And uh, it goes then uh, the dinner kind of slowly at first and then with increasing animation, mm-hmm. the dinner actually gets underway. And uh, we, the still suit manufacturer, he is just trying to build 
building allies here. Get some friends. And he's always just complimenting Jessica the whole way through of yeah. like the meals. Oh, can I get that recipe? Can I get that recipe? <laughs> like, mm, kiss your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. He's very plain. But at least he doesn't seem like he's very malevolent in any that, way. That's true. He just he's just trying to gain favor, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, willing to definitely uh wants but to cut some corners as best thing, he can. Even Lady Jessica has to play the part and like react with the same candor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she, there's like even she has to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, like this every time she's like, yes, of course, any any recipe you desire. She plays, <laughs> she's very formal, very uh, nice. So and they accommodating. Leave, they leave the serfs on Caladan, but that that cooks. They're coming with us. Oh yeah, yeah, gotta keep the cook. And uh, they actually comment on how this dinner has no melange in it. Yeah, and that is a rare treat. Everyone's just like, okay, yeah. And you think that's probably because the, it, it's in everything, pretty much. Right. It's in all all the native foods, but this is also going to be stuff they brought back from, or they brought with them from Caledonia. So it's going to be like a limited supply too. Like right. this is only going to last a while before. We got we... like a dessert punji rice kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. With the native rice from the planet, and they brought some uh, Caledonian wines with them. Yeah. We talked a little bit about those way back on our uh, our Caledon last day wine. on Arrakis. They're not that great, remember? What? Oh, why not? They're, they, because uh, the UV on the planet, uh, it has like it affects oh. the grapes in a way. They have to grow them all indoors, and then uh, even then, like the encyclopedia was like, this wine kind of sucks. This one kind of sucks. <laughs> hey, this one they made okay. That's the one for the nobles. <laughs> okay. of, like, yeah, they put a lot of work. It was really very humble, is okay. what I'm gonna say. <laughs> very it's humble weird. for the planet. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we have no melange. We're going to have, so we're having some just wine stuff from Caladan and they're commenting, yeah, never had, you know, it's been so long since so I haven't tasted cinnamon and everything. That is nice. And then we get a new speaker. This one, the guild banker is going to speak up. And uh, he uh, questions kinds about that missing uh, carry-all. Yeah, there's... Now, yeah, what's up? Oh, <clears throat> there was just one, like, little bit of a... Uh, uh, inner monologue from Lady Jessica I just wanted to touch on real quick. That she uh, she's just wondering why he's angry and uncertain. The fact that like, hey, maybe it's a carry all. Maybe it hit him harder than I thought it did. He is he acts like a desperate man. Mm. So this is Leto putting on the air of appearance that you know he doesn't trust his own wife. Or mm-hmm. oh, excuse me, I said the Whoa, word. Oh my god! <laughs> so, wow, I'm, I'm trying, Lady Jessica. I'm trying. You're lucky she can't <laughs> force choke you like Vader. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Whose side are you on, Mike? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. But yeah, so like, yeah, but, uh, it's bothering her. But she, uh, I just like that uh, it uh, it adds, uh, she had her own sudden bit- bitterness and says, why not? He is desperate. Mm. Like she knows they're out of options. They're mm-hmm. running out of options. And uh, I don't think we've uh, seen that reflected maybe through her. We saw her like him being uh, angered and cornered yeah. and, uh, when we first arrived on Arrakis. But this is her again kind of confirming that like, yeah, he's unraveling. There's yeah. something like less composed about him. And she lifted her fork, hoping in the motion to hide her own sudden bitterness. Like she is Aww. not feeling great either. And she can control every part of her body. So, yeah, yeah. We, well, I mean, we've seen it. It breaks through easier maybe than uh, how I built up. Uh, okay, you made it seem like it was a very... Yeah, yeah it, well, it's definitely like nobody else ever seems to catch these things. Right. Uh, but like, and this is a uniquely trying time, but like that, uh, the two, the one day in the Great Hall, like we watched that build right. on her and there were moments where she slipped up each time because mm-hmm. it was just pushing her so far. Um, but yeah, this, this carry-all, it's all weighing on him. What happened to it? And the Guild Banker bringing that up at Kynes is very pointed because we know there is a relationship between Kynes yeah. and the Guild Banker. So they've both been given orders by the Emperor. Um, Close. The Guild Banker is a Harkonnen agent. 
Oh, but they're they're involved right. in the same plot. Yeah, that's okay. what I. Well, I mean, want. okay, he's a Harkonnen agent. Harkonnens have been given like certain. They're uh, they're in league with the Emperor. Yeah, but so the point being that Kynes and him both know what's up, mm-hmm. and that this guy, the fact that he like, why would you push Kynes' buttons? Uh, <laughs> it's like we're on the same side, right? Why are you of. doing I mean, this? Clearly, the Harkonnens are like somewhat independent. Maybe the Harkonnens didn't like Kynes. Kynes, actually, I'm sorry, Kynes definitely hated the Harkonnens. Yeah, but he's his orders aren't from the Harkonnens; they're from the Emperor. They are, but he has to work with them, right? And know how much the Fremen hate the Harkonnens. Yeah, he probably is really, really. Well, that's what I'm saying. About like that. we're saying, he is Fremen. We know the Fremen hate the Harkonnens. Therefore, you can conclude that he hates the Harkonnens. What is this guy thinking? Had to work with them. Yeah, the banker. Yeah. I mean, maybe he didn't know exactly who he's going to be talking to. Maybe they just gave a primer of like, oh, it's a doctor. The doctor. Doctor. Oh, he's like, cool. He's a nerd. That's fine. (laughs) No, wait. He can kill you in a moment's notice. Um, So that's going to be happening. And it's weird then that he uh, directs it at because everyone's coming to this dinner with a motivation. Now, uh, Leto kind of uh, bemoans the loss of this uh, carry-all. Mm-hmm. And Kynes repeats his, like, same thing from uh, last year. Every time we bring up the spotters, he's like, yeah. well, the spotters are always looking at the sand. And like, I think he said that three, two yeah. times in the last one, and now verbatim again. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, guys, you're just on repeat. And uh, the banker chimes in. I'm like, ah, I see. Carry-all's usually four people. If even t- half that crew were, like, Harkonnen agents... Could have been overpowered. Mm-hmm. But he's saying, like, uh, and you is judge of the change. Do you challenge this? Like, why are you doing... Yeah, that's the point. So we're revealing right now, like, because we're going to get the chapter. Like, this is a Harkonnen agent is the guild banker, Jessica's able to later identify. So Kynes is being asked by his, like, conspirator. Like, hey, are you going to talk to them about the conspiracy <laughs> that we stole this I think, I think he's just trying to make them sweat. Kind of. Uh... Yeah, or just just be a jerk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's no yeah, other reason. There's, no, there's something he just doesn't like Kynes for some reason. So Kynes is like he's super diplomatic of like I shall have to consider my position carefully, and we're certainly not going to talk about it here. <laughs> <laughs> End of discussion. And he thought that pale skeleton of a man, <laughs> you bastard. He knows this is the kind of infraction I was instructed to ignore. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, that that's the thing. is new for us. Yeah. I, um, we uh, we had to speculate before of how involved Kynes was or mm-hmm. how directed Kynes was and stuff. Can't be bought except by the Emperor, apparently. Well, sort of. To I think being instructed to ignore is pretty like dead on for what the Emperor would want. Mm-hmm. That, I bet he is supposed to be put in a position where Kynes could answer to a truce sayer if needed. Mm-hmm. To be able to walk that indiscriminate line. of like, just, Yeah, do your job, but that part's probably not important. Mm-hmm. And just it's not worth your effort. You just I'm just telling you not to look into it. That way you can't ever say the Harkonnens did it the Atreides. It just, you never even investigated. He's very it. aware of the power of a truth sayer. He's got Gaius Helmahayam. Got the best one right yeah. with him. Uh and uh presumably Gaius Helmahayam, she probably had to give uh some advice on this whole plot too. Uh, uh from the Emperor's perspective. True. Uh like I think he has her counsel. It's so weird to think of all of these characters having like these two lives kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, guys, yeah. Helen Mahayam especially to play that part and be like, I have to mess up my own plans with the Bene or with the Kwisatatara kind of. So yeah, oh, yeah, oh my gosh, because like yeah, she's kind of in a precarious situation too. Yeah, yeah, she'd have to do what, part of what the emperor said. You yeah. said that we get to see her again at, towards the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Are there any points in some of the uh, the sequels that will? see a little bit more of her story and sort of her day to day. Uh, no, she's uh, always going to be someone who's um, p- playing. A, p- she's going to be a, like a player on the board 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, we're never going to like uh, follow her back to the chapter house and spend a chapter with her. We're never going to learn more of like her childhood or a uh, backstory. We uh, just know she had some time on Gamont. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just tease you with little things. But uh, she will show up in the next book, okay. uh, which is great. More guys, Helma High, it's always fun. And uh, oh, so going through kind of with Kynes, like I said, yeah, he's ignoring that in- instruction. This is what his role from the emperor and so the banker smiles and returns his attention to the food. He's like happy with that for some reason. I'm like, good. I played with the good doctor a little bit. And Jessica, she's going to go down a little. Um, we're gonna, if you're just talking Benny Desert backstory, we're going to learn a little bit about Jessica's schooling. Because she just has this like, it's almost a um, a quick cut in the book. Where we're like, oh, we're going to talk about espionage school real quick. And yeah. you're like, wait, what is it's this It's really about? weird. This is uh, kind of an odd one. Yeah, it strikes me as something from like uh, like Kill Bill, where you just like smash cut yeah, right yeah, into yeah, a little exactly. side story, and uh, but it is super um, super relevant. Relevant, thank you to what's going on right now. And so, in espionage, counter espionage training, and we get a little detail that the Reverend Mother who taught this specific class, Mike, was plump and had a very jolly voice, which contrasted with the subject matter. So, just like it, Betty White is your teacher. Uh, teaching you <laughs> espionage, <laughs> counter espionage. And we get this really great line of like, any enclosed discipline will leave a stamp, a pattern on its students that can be analyzed and predicted. Motivational patterns are similar between schools and can be sussed out uh, via interrogation patterns that show the inner orientation of the interrogators and observation of their language thought orientation, which you can use to determine their root language. Ding, ding. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Because she is watching that guild banker and imply, uh, using uh, all this counter espionage training right. right now where she is both uh, looking at him as an interrogator. So while he was questioning kinds, right. she's able to break down his motivation for asking those particular questions. And then just with his language thought orientation. Trace back his speech pattern. Yeah. So this is just as simple too as like... Um, if you've ever met like a Spanish speaker who's learning mm-hmm. English as a second language, they will usually switch the verb in the noun or the adjective in the noun around. Okay. Because in Spanish, because the, the opposite, the grammar. Yeah, yeah. It like follows it, and in English, we put the noun first. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's something that like shows through. Also, in um little real life, uh, way you can use that is you know um when people speak tongues in like a religious thing, uh, they did a study where they recorded those people and. It was through multiple countries, so multiple languages, and found that when people speak in tongues, you speak to the grammar rules of your base language, of whatever language you learned. The jibber-jabber that you're talking in, it still conforms basically to the speech pattern you of your base language. So there's actually a solid amount of precedence for like... This, yeah, there's yeah. Like, it's saying just things you had like uh, learned as your fundamental and your foundation. You can't break out of them. It's always going to seep through no matter what you build on top that of that. That is really cool. And that's why the Bene Gesserit are uh, always... Uh, educated in languages first, probably. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of their, yeah, it's core schoolings. Yep. And, uh, I mean, even they recognize, though, that the Bene Gesserit have stamps and patterns. And they do their best to, like, get beyond them, but it's sort of like you knowing that you have this weakness is even more important than us getting over this weakness. Because uh, you can be aware of it. So we use this power, or rather Jessica does, to clock that the... Guild Banker is actually a Harkonnen agent from Gaiety Prime because he has the Gaiety Prime accent. Even though he's he's covering it pretty well, subtly masked, but exposed to her train awareness as though he had announced himself. 
Then she has the thought of, like, does this mean that the guild itself has taken sides against House Atreides? That would be rough. That would be very rough. And uh, I don't know if it's in this book or in um, Dune Messiah, but it has one that said, like, um, you know, it might have been even when uh, Kai's Helmahayan brought up of, like, uh, the guild's so mysterious that, like, for every man you get in the guild, the guild gets two men in your organization. Yeah. Does that come up? I don't think so. Okay, then that's something I read somewhere into it. Uh, and that's like one of those sayings for how like wily the guild is too. So like that means there's two agents in the Harkonnens bid that work for the guild now because they also are watching people. Oh, Because the guild's got more important secrets than equally important as like the Bene Gesserit. But like they don't I, want you to know how they do what they I, do. Yeah, I guess I, I keep forgetting that the guild has their own agenda too probably. Mm-hmm. And they run a bank. Uh, yeah, apparently. Well, I mean, banking. with as expensive as it is, you'd have to have like and, well, somewhere. And they're, to... the, they're the only interplanetary body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the only way to move stuff around like that. That's probably significant to that as well. Um, I don't know. They Interplanetary body, as in like via motion? Because, I mean, you got the Bene Gesserit that are sort of in almost every world. No, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, uh, like they control the actual travel in the space okay. lanes. Like gotcha. to move actual money and stuff like that. Right. I, I just think you would need some system. They can't uh, wire it via radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. We don't know what they uh, back. I don't remember. Yeah, we were off the gold standard, certainly, by this point in American history. Right? So, yeah. So we we use Solari as the currency. Yep. Then we mentioned something about a couple coppers in this as well. So, like, yeah. I wonder what else we have for... Are there like silvers? Are there golds? I don't know. This is very D and D. Yeah, <laughs> I think it sounds sheet. like from the peasantry. Maybe they just have something kind of different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of like, uh, who knows what fraction it's of a solari that like, is? A solari uh, is so big they couldn't even fathom how much that might be. But yeah, in the um, in the encyclopedia, there actually was no article on the guild bank either. I was kind of really, saying. yeah. So that's not that's something that really gets. Well, I guess there just wasn't enough information to go by. Well, yeah, but the point was that they would fill it in if there was. Uh, the mm. fact that they maybe mentioned... they didn't feel comfortable filling it in. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I really don't know. That's uh, weird. I think it's just kind of an oversight in that it's brought up in the first book. Like most things from the first one, at least, you know, they they pile in on, and that's like mm-hmm. the big one. Like we pulled out the Altern, the Chevalier, like all those little nuances they caught, but we're gonna miss out on this. It's a shame. I would have wanted to know how the bank works, but. In any case, we got this banker. We've uh, he is basically told Jessica, "I am a Harkonnen. Look at me," <laughs> and he's gonna be working the end of the table this whole meal. Um, she uh, this is she's shocked by this shocked by this thought of like the guild bank turning on them. Yeah, possibly being compromised. We'll have to like let this sit for now. Uh, and she masks her emotion by calling for a new dish. Uh, and kind of like just listening to this man. Uh, betray himself as it goes on these uh, things come out and she makes sort of a prediction of like he's gonna shift the conversation it's gonna be something uh ominous next time that's his pattern so uh the duke's having a little talk right now uh i guess on arrakis plants have no thorns i thought that was really interesting isn't that kind of cool for like the most throwaway line in there of like bridging us between these two things because like why does a plan need thorns in the first place uh i mean wouldn't it be to prevent the animals from it from like things from eating it or yeah. eating its uh i guess berries or fruits or whatever yeah but i mean which always i think is weird because i think the point is you want those seeds to be spread anyways but well, no but you don't want it to be eaten like like you want it yeah to you don't want the plant, plant to be destroyed necessarily yeah yeah i think it's like a protective measure that yeah, but uh, they don't have don't, thorns you don't need that here the pl- <laughs> there's not enough predators yeah <laughs> there's not enough things to eat them not enough of anything. Um, so native Arakeen plants. I want like we don't really know what the native plants are. Right. 
um, sort of, uh, we Probably know a little like bit. Shrubs, no, like... well, the ones that uh, I think uh, UE mentioned. So the creosote bush, the the date palm. I thought uh, those were transplanted. No, no, no. All they're of them. Not... Like they're, they're Ericine fauna. The date palms might be, but it sounded like, I mean, we, we're never going to know uh, fully. Okay. I just think that since they listed them like that, I would assume those are the native ones. Okay, gotcha. Um, and like, I don't think. Uh, is there anything on the the flora of Arakeen in the encyclopedia? Maybe we can there, look into. There, there, I got some stuff on okay. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We All have right. a, we have a pretty good sections on Arakeen. We're going right. to be able to get to. Um, once uh, we get to a shorter chapter, we can dig. Yeah, yeah. I just need a little space. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. Uh, but we got geology and all kinds of stuff coming down the line. So, yeah, like I said, we get that little one of. Uh, that's our little time for the banker to wait before he can switch it to right. ominous tones. There's no thorns, and then he just brings up that all of our birds are carrion birds. Blood drinkers, if you will. And uh, this prompts the steel soup daughter to mention that he is like, oh, Susu, you say like the word grossest things or something. Susu. And yeah, then we do this stupid little talk about what Susu means. I'm like, oh, she says that because I'm the water seller. And we learn like that's the call to water sellers, mm. which um, we heard that yelled out of a window when yeah, the, Yui, the Yui chapter. It's okay. Uh, what was that? It was the second part. It's okay. Oh, nice. You remembered. It's okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jessica notes, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Paul does the falseness in his dinner companion's voice. So that girl next to him. That's when she realizes, like, oh, like, she's, like, an accessory to him. Yeah. She's, like, she's uh, providing him, like, the uh, ammo to like, start a conversation. Mm-hmm. This is a set piece. Yeah. This is something that you guys planned beforehand. So, so that's going to be important later on. Like, yeah. you guys planned this for this day. Right. And so Paul decides, like, he sees his mom following this with, like, the Bene Gesserit intensity. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, well, I'll I'll play this game. Like, I'll play, get on the board. And he, he says, sir, do you mean that all birds are cannibals? And, like, pushes them down. But... <laughs> I don't think he was expecting Paul to speak up. <laughs> no, no one ever is. Uh, I told you before, like, during the staff meeting that Paul is always, like, uh, the odd man out kind it's of a, a deal. 15-year-old boy. Exactly. At this table full of adults. And, uh, yeah, he takes it. And Butte, or the banker, I'm sorry, not Butte, uh, the banker, the skilled banker, is like, well, that's an odd question, young master. And uh, Paul just sort of back home, like, no, that's not an odd question, actually. <laughs> and he explains, of like, in this really threatening way of, like, most educated people know <laughs> that, like, the same creatures Ooh. would be the ones. They have the same basic requirements. And, like, the banker stiffens, and he looks over <laughs> to the Duke now. He's sort of looking like, I have to deal with this kid. And the Duke's like, <clears throat> don't make the error of considering my son a child. <laughs> and he smiles. I love that Paul, like, he talks about uh, that people of their own kind are the worst potential competition for any young organism. And he, like, just takes a bite of food from the next yeah. plate over. Just so like, he off that girl's plate. Yeah, I just imagine her looking down like, what the hell? <laughs> she would not say it. No, thing. she wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like well i'm not eating that <laughs> and uh yeah so jessica she kind of looks around the table and we see that a uh, butte he's brightened up <laughs> he's happy mm-hmm. as can be now the banker's been shot down yeah kinds yeah. is uh kinds and the smuggler tuick they're both grinning they, yeah <laughs> so it seems like it's lying in the sand that mm-hmm. like kinds tuick and butte is for is like hostile as Butte was in the beginning. He's still like a little independent. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to feel about you, but I like that you're on this side. Doesn't now. care about any. Honestly, like at the end of the day, he cares about water and his profit margin. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. really it. That's it. 
and his mansion. He's got yeah. a mansion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just wants to live the good life. Yeah. Uh, probably get as close to, like, uh, like, dukedom as he can. But It's less political with him. It's just business. Ooh, you think so? I think so. You don't think he has political aspirations? Um, well, maybe. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, we're never going to find out. That is, like, yeah, yeah too hard, hard to read into. I just right. wanted to know how you felt right off the bat. No, I don't think uh, so. I, I like this idea of him as, yeah, businessman. Yeah. Money, money, money. Water, water, water. Um, And that it seems like our big bad guy is the guild bank Harkonnen agent yeah. and some alignment with the still suit manufacturer, at least his daughter. I don't get why she is part of his plan, but it seemed like the still suit guy is pretty pliable. Do you think it'd have to do with like eliminating the Fremen somehow? Cause if there's no Fremen to make still suits, then her still suits would be the only ones available. Uh, I mean, between the guild bank, I guess I think I'm still in the business frame of mind. Yeah, no, I don't think the guild bank would have any alignment with that. Uh, for getting the steel suit guy involved, I, I'm not sure. Um, but nonetheless, that girl seemed maybe he just bought them off or something. Hmm. Uh, could be. We also know like Harkonnens are throwing money around like it's nothing right now. Yeah, it's true. Um, so we're starting to see the true colors of our guests, and uh, Kime chimes in that uh, blood is a very efficient energy source, and he sort of like compliments Paul's yeah. assessment of that. Yeah. Like, well done, young master. And the banker, he's, oh yeah, he is angry now. So again, he's gonna turn to take a shot at Kynes, because uh, Kynes sort of like uh, calls him Fremen scum. Calls him Fremen scum, and the banker, it said that the Fremen scum drink the blood of their dead. And uh, Kynes, so he shakes his head, and he goes teacher mode. Yeah, he's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, not the blood, sir. But all the man's water ultimately belongs to his people, to his tribe. And it's a necessity. Necessity is an important word for us here. Mm -hmm. uh, all water is precious there. And the human body is composed of some 70% of water by weight. A dead man surely no longer requires the water. Now, the banker, uh, he gets his hands on the table. And uh, like I think it looks like he's about to push himself off and just leave. And this happens semi-often during this meal. It seems like everyone gets up at some point. Like they're going to shove off and just walk out. And um, Kynes kind of looks down the table and just tells, like, it's just, you know, like, oh, sorry for such ugly, you know, this is a good table right. talk. We're at a formal dinner here. And it seems like the banker, he's not done yet, though. Because he tells them just, Why like, does he keep pushing? Yeah. And, well, we're going to get to that point of regret, right, with him. And he's just like, you've associated with the Fremen. Uh, so long with the Fremen, you've lost all sensibilities, the banker rasped. Now, Kynes looks at him calmly. <laughs> he studies the pale, trembling face. <laughs> beautiful like you know there's no sweat on kinds of yeah. face. Uh, i bet he's still like cutting a piece of food very right, right. softly with a fork and knife if he, if he was sweating he'd be like nope save that save that save that no 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 he goes are you challenging me sir the banker froze he swallowed stiffly uh, of course not and like oh he's not willing to apologize to yeah kind of i wouldn't insult our host this is for the duke and the lady and <laughs> Lady Jessica can see like there's a uh, like a vein pulsing at his temple. Yeah, like he's afraid of Kynes. He is terrified. This man. That's the thing. He just knows if he did like have some sort of challenge with Kynes, Kynes would just kill him. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that that's just what's written on his face. And which makes this question of like, why did he keep pushing <laughs> them? If we know this is going to be the end of it. And Kynes, this is oh, just so cold of like our host and hostess are quite capable of deciding for themselves when they've been insulted. They're brave people who understand defensive honor. We may attest to their courage by the fact that they are here now on Arrakis, which for those two people to say that line, yeah, like, remember the thing we're involved in that they're a part of, like, they're here, they're brave enough to do it. 
So don't even like try to bring them down. And it's sort of like maybe even lets them know like, hey, this is where I've aligned myself kind of. Like I, I'm not going to like just throw these guys under. I'm going to stand sort of beside them. I love that this is where Jessica looks over. Leto's just got a big smile on his face. He's enjoying this. And Butte. <laughs> yeah. Leto and Butte. Are little, yeah. I had <laughs> the, this most one. of the others were not. Yeah. Most of the other people, they were ready to leave. Yeah. Specifically, they've all their hands under the table. That made me a little, like, alarmed. Yeah, like, I was like, are they reaching for weapons? I think they're just ready to just, like, book it. I think it's a little bit of both. Of, like, I don't know. I think it's that, um, rather, maybe not reach for but, like, everyone's, uh, the word we're going to use later, prepared for violence. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everyone senses, like, somebody might die right here. Because this, this probably happened on the Harkonnen a little more often than uh, we're used to with the Atreides. <laughs> probably. Yeah, like, this might not have been so uncommon. Again, though, you're right, the exception is Butte and Tuak, where uh, they're, like, enjoying this. Oh, well, so... Well, Butte—they're watching Butte, Kynes for a cue. Butte is is enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Tuick is watching Kynes for a cue. Tuick is the interesting one there. I like—I uh, get the feeling too. He probably does have like a little grin of just like this is cool. He's uh, probably had to deal with this banker and just hates him. But why is he looking in specific Kynes for a cue? No, no, not Butte. Uh, Tuick. No, Tuick. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Tuick is looking at Kynes for a cue. Okay, so now Paul, Kynes, Kynes, we've we've established that Kynes is a fremen. Yes. And we know that at CHs, the smugglers do come and they do business they or do. something with Eight, the Fremen. Eighteen day journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do think there is a bit of a, a relationship there. They've probably known each other for a very long time. Specifically, if if Kinds is also this one we know is Liette that they've all sworn allegiance to. Oh, do you think that maybe? Oh, I wanted to throw that one out there because you were dancing with yeah. it last time of like, uh, just like, would that mean that the smugglers would also be loyal to Liette? Like I was gonna be like, wait, would that mean he serves? No, but that'd be another one serving him. So yeah. he wouldn't serve three masters, but that like, would be interesting. At least, like, well, it seems like these guys came to this party together. Well, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, because if uh, if you don't have the Fremen involved at all, the smugglers, what else do they really have to smuggle? Just the spice. I, I, wait, what do you, what else do you think they're smuggling? Probably, uh, yeah, it's just spice. It's just spice. Yeah, yeah. They they just go out for the. Basically, they need the fremen to help them get the spice. Oh, and the fremen oh, could to do it through like non official means through the uh, the fife. Right, right. Well, like whose land are you on? Yeah, exactly. Like you need the fremen permission to do this job. Oh, that's what. Like basically, if the fremen wanted to stop the smugglers, done tomorrow. Yeah, we're, you guys aren't going anywhere. <laughs> um, that's right. Uh, yeah, they just beat them on every level. And so, like uh, when we were talking about the pack animals leaving, like. I actually, I think they pay Fremen to help take them. And that's how they do that long journey. That makes sense. And I think that's how they avoid the worms. So they don't have to put a shield on a donkey and slap its ass, send it off. (laughs) Though I love that plan. That did work on paper. Um, It works on paper, in theory. It works on paper every time. Always have an emergency donkey. Most valuable asset. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good pun. That's a good pun. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Paul, just going back into this, the Tuick, we're watching that for you. Paul is watching Kynes with mm-hmm. admiration, which I'm like, man, I'm kind of with Paul this. Kynes, I like this guy. Yeah. He's just constantly moving up in his assessment. And just for how much you know Paul, he judges somebody pretty harshly. Yeah. So if you got that assessment, good for you. Now, uh, the banker, he doesn't even say an apology. He sort of mutters an apology to Kynes. <laughs> and Kynes is oh, just a, so cool. 
Freely given, freely accepted, Kind said. He smiled at Jessica and resumed eating as though nothing had happened. <laughs> Just, yes, right back to normal. Everyone else is still awkward as can be at the table. And uh, Lido thinks on how Kind's opinion of the Atreides have changed since they got back from yeah. the desert. Just like seeing him, like dude, he just he just stood up for us a little bit there, yeah. especially that line of the Arrakis thing. Now, the dinner never gets back to a comfortable pace from here. <laughs> we've <laughs> we've basically blown it. <laughs> this is going to be about as effective as that staff meeting from here on out. <laughs> oh no! And uh, I think we start to turn more uh, back to the subject of the water on Arrakis. This is uh, one of my favorite sections of the dinner, mm-hmm. and. Um, we have uh, Jessica. She's thinking of how ready Kynes had been to kill. Just is a casual killer a Fremen thing? It's the Maybe. feeling, the vibe so she if, gets. If we equip the Fremen as possibly being as uh, apt a warrior as a Sardaukar, mm-hmm. then yeah, Kynes is a force to be reckoned with, probably. Yeah. Oh, ooh. I wish there was like a Sardaukar officer that we could have stand next to him. Oh. Like we haven't gotten to assess any of them. I, I wonder how they would like, uh, how they would evaluate. I, would, I just want to, cause I haven't actually met a Sardaukar. I've just like heard of them mm-hmm. and how terrifying they are. I want to see a Sardaukar versus a Fremen. You want, yeah. I just want to say like, who would win in a fight? I just want to get two of you in a ring <laughs> yeah. right now. A little fight club ding, on Arrakis. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might, you might get First your wish rule of Arrakis point, fight club. Don't waste water. <laughs> <laughs> don't sweat. <laughs> yeah, don't sweat. So Jessica, she's going to turn, uh, turn to the still suit manufacturer, who shall never be named, and uh, comment oh on just the importance of water on Arrakis. Yeah. Now, Kynes, uh, he, this, is, this is, like I said, when, uh, if you talk science and especially water mm-hmm. to Kynes, he gets giddy and it starts <laughs> slipping. He just wants to tell you everything. He's mm-hmm. sort of like me when you make a good guess. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, I want to tell you all about the worms, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk their whole life cycle, but I gotta stop. I gotta keep it a little bit of a Can't tell you everything. But he's telling her that we are we're dealing with a law of minimums Mm. on this planet. Uh, And uh, she hears this sort of like testing quality in his voice. And he says, like, uh, growth is limited by that necessity which is present in the least amount. And naturally, the least favorable condition controls the growth rate. It is rare to find members of, of a great house aware of planetological problems, Kynes said. So, still here, Kynes still has on the background of his mind that, like, this uh, this prophecy, this is his own sort of test. So, Mapes gave her mm-hmm. a bit of a test. I say a bit of a test. She was willing to stab Lady Jessica if she failed the test. Yes. <laughs> um, this and is, be killed by Jessica if that was what Jessica if that's deemed. What, if she succeeded, yeah. that's what she wanted, yeah. But uh, with Kynes here, this is a little bit more subtle to sort of just look at their ambition. Like, what is their what is their desire? Because they did say, like, it is our dream earlier. And I think that that's still stuck in his mind a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And the seat there. And he he continues on with, like, water is the least favorable condition for life on Arrakis. And remember that growth itself can produce unfavorable conditions unless treated with extreme care. Now, that is among the same theme as those last that last line he said, mm-hmm. and that one from Lady Margot. We keep getting this warning of sort of like taking things for granted and things that are naturally occurring and happen no matter what. Like, they need to be taken care of and, like, judged and mm-hmm. uh, assessed. And Jessica senses there's a hidden meaning from Kynes, but she can't catch it. She doesn't know what he's getting at right with that sentence. Growth. Growth itself can produce unfavorable conditions unless treated with extreme care. But 
yeah, growth is the word for sure. It's used like three times through there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we're going to keep building up because ultimately this is going to be towards like. You think in a, in a, in a way like too, uh, too many uh, or not enough resources to affect or catch up to the growth of like a population? Uh, what do you, do you think that's more in terms of power? I, I guess I'm just trying to get at Kynes hidden meaning here. Uh, I, oh, I think it's going to be revealed with like um, how he wants to terraform the planet. And that's kind of what we're going to build towards oh, with okay. like when Paul and uh, is actually able to use his true sense to get through. Right. right I think right. that's what he's trying. He's telling her growth, growth, growth. But you have to do it carefully. You got to take care of it. I love when we get to Paul. because just like, oh, that's totally a lie. OK, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those two. Yeah. And it happens uh, twice. They're really comical. Uh, kind of. And Paul is my BS snooper. <laughs> I just love having him. It makes it really easy. <laughs> it really He's, does. It almost is a Deus Ex Machina. He, he, <laughs> just, almost. You're just right. to correct. It's weird how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, he corrects the record for us. Uh, well, like I said, she gets this meaning. She can't quite uh, catch what he's going for. But so she asks if like uh, if a water cycle could be established on Arrakis, a self-sustaining, you know, kind of thing. And Butte's like, no, impossible. Possible. There's not <laughs> enough water. And she's going to shut that down right there. I love like Kynes just comes up like yes, Yes, Butte is a master of water on Arrakis, <laughs> right? He knows all things about water. Uh, mm, master Butte here. Uh, and then Kynes has also noticed that all the attention is slowly turned on them. Mm -hmm. This is going to be, I think, the point where he starts regretting. He does not like that kind of attention, especially on this subject. It makes him really uncomfortable. So the Duke... Uh, he gets this realization of like that point where Kynes' attitude changed. And it had been when Jessica spoke of holding the conservatory in trust. So that was that moment where he fell mm. in love, where we stopped and looked at him and he's just like enamored with her. And he asked about the shortening of the way. Right. So the Duke, uh, I, I like how uh, this is one of those points where he cuts in of like, I'm going to get to the bottom of something. <laughs> I feel like the Duke just feels left out. Like, I was going to say, like, <laughs> he's watching. Everybody seems Every, like they're talking. Their eyes are just going back and forth. They're saying like these weird idioms. He's like, hmm, stroking his beard. I don't understand. <laughs> I haven't talked in a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Had a great monologue and what? <laughs> no one's paying attention. No one said thank you. <laughs> uh, so he's like, what would it, um. Yeah, asking Kynes, like, uh, what would it take to set up a self-sustaining system, Dr. Kynes? And Kynes tells him, like, if we could get 3% of the green plant element on Arrakis involved in forming carbon compounds, we could get this cyclic system going. So the Duke is like, all right. It sounds simple enough. Yeah, is water the only problem? And uh, he sensed Kynes' excitement, felt himself caught up in it. It's like, yeah, nerd out. Let's do it. Let's mm -hmm. all be, let's do this. This is going to be so exciting. And so Kynes, he's giddy now. You've cracked him. This is the one thing he'll slip up on every time. And his water is overshadowed by other problems. The planet has much oxygen without its uh, usual contaminants. Mm -hmm. So we're saying like this is all set up like it could work here. Something weird is on this planet. And this line ends with, there are unusual chemical interchanges over large surface areas here. Spice? Spice? <laughs> Question mark? Spice? <laughs> I think he's saying a lot. Of, well, no, we're talking about like, because he's saying the water is here. We have plenty of water. Something's happening though when it's planet. It's like, uh, you know, putting the water, getting rid of it. Like, well, because that, that drilling. Yeah. yeah, we know the drilling, the water disappears mm -hmm. same fashion every time. I'm, oh, but okay. But oh. like, and then, uh, so like, uh, we never got to the bottom because Jetska had the same thing where like they equated the carbon dioxide and uh, volcanoes to somehow right. have an effect on like water on a planet. I don't know what that connection is, but so he's making that same one though of saying like we have all these interchanges. I'm, I still think 
So you said, we think we landed on like the tectonic shifting of stuff. A little bit, but I, I'm gonna put it out here. And I don't wanna spend too much time on worm theory, just a quick little thing. Okay. The water and the worms, you said worms, water will kill a worm. Yes. I don't know what the relationship is, but the worms are somehow related to the water on Arrakis. And I know that's gotta be somehow, cause why, like, it's the only place with worms. Like they have the water, but something happens. I I just I don't know. Oh wait, whoa! Oh, that's okay. usually my sign for cutting off worms. Right. There, right there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't make any more words, and I just get to sound. No. Okay. <laughs> and worm theory's over. Join us oh. next week for an exciting installment of Wait What? I hate it. <laughs> so, um, Lido asks about um, these kind of pilot projects that Kinds has set up. Uh, Kinds says he's been doing these sort of on an amateur level. And uh, mentions that he's built up enough of the Tansley effect to what is the Tansley effect? to be uh, can put some um, research together. Oh, you don't know? No, I was. I was. Do worried. you know, or I did do. you have to yeah, Google it? <laughs> uh, I did. Well, I did Google it. Yeah, I didn't oh, yeah. know off the top of my head. I thought I was worried that you were going to research this one and come back at me with another rugby coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can come at you with uh, Sir Arthur Tansley. It was cricket. Thank you. Touche. <laughs> Both sports. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but Tansley, <laughs> he was a botanist, Sir Arthur Tansley. Oh, he's this English botanist. And basically, um, oh, I, I have a line for you that I'm going to read that it could sound like it's coming straight out of Kind's mouth. But the Tansley effect is extrapolated to be, um, the cumulative outputs from groups of highly skilled disciplined professionals, all studying the same problem and routinely sharing their findings. Each new independent finding becomes a common input into everyone else's process. So what Tansley did was back in the day, he set up uh, like a magazine uh, that was like a um, publishing research paper kind mm-hmm. of thing for botanist. And like um, I, I brief, very briefly went over this. So there's much more to him and I may be um, kind of making a broad generalization of it. But then mm-hmm. he would take submitted work let alone publishing them, but every now and then like go through it all and kind of recombine it all into one like table or something or just Put all the information so together. Putting in the best of format. everyone's research into one sort of like theory or like possible. Exactly. Experiment. And I think he was just the first guy to do it. Uh, and to me, I mean, it seems so obvious because uh, like I think the common way we look at science is like standing on the shoulders of giants. Like it's you and everyone before you. It's right. a culmination of all that work. Like you can't do anything on your own. You need everyone to have done the law, right. you know, compile all these tables of like this and that. You have to invent calculus before you can do science. Exactly, before you can use <laughs> yeah. it and do stuff with it. So I just thought that was great. And um, the little quote I got of like, this could just come right out of Dr. Kynes' mouth is, we, uh, when we are trying to think fundamentally, we cannot separate them from their special environments with which they form one physical system. That is from uh, Arthur Tansley. I that can very totally easy, sounds like Dr. That Kynes. could be like a chapter header in Dune. Uh, no, not by the Princess Irulan, surely. Ah, yeah, no, she'd just be quoting a book from the ecologist Pardot Kinds or something. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, just really, just, you know, looking at all the organisms and everything they contribute to as part of their environment as well. Very cool. Which clearly you are doing now as you consider worms Mm. and like their environment they're in. Yeah. I'm like, you're tying them to the water at this point. You're, you know, the creatures with the natural resources. And, uh, back to Master Butte being an expert on water. And so, uh, the Duke... He uh, he's gesturing back. Kinds Kinds tried to like sort of dismiss this off, and he's like, "I I want an answer. Is there enough water, Doctor Kind?" Kind stares at his plate, 
Like this guy is just like, oh, why did I bring this up? And Jessica's watching that interplay on his face. So she's in Benny Desert mode. We saw Paul clock that on her. Mm-hmm. She sees he regrets his words. The Duke again. Is there enough water? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. And Gynes is like, oh, there maybe. And then we get the duel or the two people. Jessica's gonna chime in first with her sense of like, hey, he's faking uncertainty. And Paul's gonna come in with his <laughs> sense and go like, oh my god, there is there enough is. water. Yeah. Thank Andy, you, Paul. Well, Andy knows that Kynes doesn't want people to know. So mm-hmm. he's also inferring correctly why he's not talking. Yeah. Now uh Butte is just like uh saying, oh, he just dreams with a Fremen, Messiah and prophecy. Those are two very choicely chosen words. Mm-hmm. And uh at this point, Jessica can't place like everyone's tension. Um, and she's really like, I need more spies across everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know where everyone's motivations Tensions is right are now. oddly distributed here. Mm-hmm. And I think it part of it's like Butte moving. He Back seems like forth. an enemy. Yeah. I'm a friend. I don't know. I kind of want him to come by tomorrow. <laughs> he seems all right. Uh, the steel suit guy has been pretty quiet. The escort hasn't spoken at all. Like, yeah, it's a weird table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's just like, I need to be more like Hawa. It's kind of what I got from that. <laughs> and uh, Lido, he looks up from Butte to Kynes to Jessica and just goes, I missed something. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> something happened tonight that I was not a part of. <laughs> And this keeps happening to me. <laughs> now, uh, it's Kynes, uh, he's trying to change the subject, yeah. probably desperately. <laughs> oh, yeah. A trooper marches in, comes right up behind Lido's side, and uh, it has a Hawat's Corsman sign, so that wrinkly Yeah, owl. that's Hawat's guy. And uh, he's going to lean down, he tells Paul, or Lido something, Lido's going to get up. And, and so he has to leave. He dismisses himself, and he tells Paul, like, take the head of the seat, and... Oh, Mike, we can't have an odd number at the table. No. Gurney! Gurney! <laughs> Get out of the corner. So. This little Gurney sitting in the corner. <laughs> ugly lump of a man puts down his balazette, comes out, sits down next to the pretty now, still suit daughter. I like to imagine that uh, the uh, the head of smugglers, what was his name? Tuick. I like Tuick. to imagine Gurney and Tuick, they just communicate via their scars. Because they're both on their face. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You think like a little ink vine wrinkle? <laughs> yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think Esmar has? I'm thinking like classic like eye scar. Oh, maybe. That'd be, that'd be pretty badass. Oh, where do you think you would get a scar? Who knows? I don't know. Could be many a world, many a place. Like, probably uh, fighting Harkonnens, honestly, if he's smuggling things. On the way out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably a, like a slash across the eye or something. Good. Get something yeah. good. Uh, maybe it comes all the way down across the lip. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just so we can get enough like uh, feeling and emotion cast through it. Yeah. Uh, you got to be able to project yourself with that scar. <laughs> um, so Paul, he wants to ask uh, Lido what's happening, what's going on, but I got to play it in the grand manner. He says, "I got to just be the Duke for." Right I have now. to be the Duke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he gets up. The Duke's telling him like, oh, "There's no need for alarm." Uh, but I'm gonna go. And Paul catches the coded words in his dad message. Uh, it's gonna be guard, safe, secure. Shortly, mm-hmm. the problem was security, not violence. So him and Jessica are under attack. Here. They just have to check something out. No, no, no. Uh, I don't even think it's that. I think it sounds like it, it has nothing to do with the house. Because right. again, we're gonna find out it's the carry all. Right. So I think he's just saying like, hey, there's something happening that I just have to at least be informed like, of. Well, quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's anything like an attack. Um. But I, oh, I just wonder what everyone else is thinking at that table where uh, the Duke is like, I have to leave. Something urgent come. It requires my personal attention. Mm-hmm. Paul, 15-year-old boy, you're in charge. <laughs> well, that, like, that what, is, what is everyone thinking? That would be, I th- that would happen no matter what, though, because that is uh, the 
uh, I think the ceremony of the dinner where Paul is like the next in the head of the house. Jessica's not the wife or anything like, so Paul's going to be I the mean, man. That's, that's He's going to take that seat. I wonder what everyone's dead. thoughts are at this though. That, yeah, that I think is the fair point because mm. Butte, or I'm, oh, I always want to go back to Butte, the banker, I'm sorry, yeah. the guild banker agent, he gets like sort of a renewed vigor. Do we get the banker's name? We don't. That was kind of weird yeah. since he's the Harkonnen agent. Um, They just kind of refer to him as the banker. But I did note that as soon as Leto leaves, he feels like he can talk again. And he had been quiet ever since, like, he almost died earlier. <laughs> so, yeah, death by kinds. He, um, I think he tries to press Butte into giving a toast to, like, the young master. Mm. And sort of, like, uh, pushing Paul. And now, giving Paul's story that we're going to hear later on, this is that part of the clawed feet of, like, Butte, right. of the banker pushing him down. He's doing it at the table right now. And Jessica, she clenches her fist under the table, which I didn't really understand. I don't know what has her so alarmed by that, by the banker having this guy do a toast. But it sets her off. I think she realizes what where it's going. You think just playing it all out? Because yeah. Halleck and Idaho are on the same page. They pass hand signals between each other. They're on alert. Yeah, they're on alert. Every guard in the room. That's why I'm like, can you the people that are aware they like, care more for Paul's life than Leto's life. Um That's what it feels like. Oh, uh wait, wait who? The guards in general or yeah. like Gurney and I'm thinking that the guards were reacting to Gurney in Idaho, and I'm thinking that maybe they're all more protective of Paul. Yeah. But you're right. Maybe if this is probably by orders of the Duke himself. Nah, I think they do it independent. I think they do it. They probably would do it independent. Knowing but, what I the, be, but I bet Leto, Leto cares about Yeah, yeah. Paul. Knowing what I'm saying, knowing yeah. what Leto would want. Yeah, yeah. Uh but then I'm imagining here, maybe it's only because Leto left that they're all like, wait. All right, we're definitely not letting anything happen to Paul again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone red alert. Yeah, maybe that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it's because Alito's gone, Paul's here. Nothing can happen to Paul for the love of God. Uh, <laughs> Alito would be so mad. And uh, everyone in this hall will die. <laughs> Paul catches all of that. So he sees, like, wait, everyone is like ready for war right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, guys. And he just goes on with this great little story. Mm-hmm. He tells the story of a dead fisherman that he uh, eats all once. Oh, my God. And this dead fisherman had claw marks on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just sort of says, like, uh, how interesting that was. And the banker asks, like, why is this interesting? And Paul, because of an observation my father made at the time, he said the drowning man who climbs on your shoulders to save himself is understandable except when you see it happen in the drawing room. And I should add, except when you see it at the dinner table. A sudden stillness enfolded the room. And at this point, Jessica is just like, that was rash. That She's kind of thinking like, Paul doesn't know. Like you're playing your hand too much kind of deal. You don't even know what's on the board. Because mm-hmm, this guy might have enough rank to call him out, which implies that Jessica is unsure of his status. Right. Uh, and I don't know maybe how you measure that. I mean, that is kind of the mystery of the uh, the guild. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, it's because I think he's a guild bank, yeah. like coming from that group and that representative. Like we don't know this variable here. Uh, Idaho and Gurney, ready to rumble. Uh, at this point, oh, like, yeah. they are both, I feel like, move their seats back a little bit. Probably have one foot around the corner of it. And uh, then, thank God we got Tuick here. They're- he just belts out some laughter of, like, this is the best night ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this 15-year-old boy just really schooled these people. And uh, Butte, happy as can be, still oh, smiling. Yeah. And the banker, now he's pushed his chair back. And that's where I kept saying, everyone keeps pushing their chair back. Eventually, <laughs> everyone is like a foot away from this table in their seat. Um, <clears throat> and Kynes kind of turns in if one baits in a trade, he's at their own risk. Now, just because... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I just love... I mean, I don't want this to be uh, to lost when he, when he does try to make Butte 
give the toast. Oh, yeah. Or sort of like egg him on. Like, yeah, let's, you know, let's uh, let's see what this boy has to him. Mm -hmm. uh, as his father holds him in such high regards. I was throwing that little uh, exchange earlier. I love that he says, perhaps you have a dollop of wisdom for the boy. Uh, who must be treated like a man. I love the dollop of wisdom. No one else says anything in between uh, Paul's speech and that. Everyone sort of takes positions. That's when Paul just re like rebuttals with his own, I have a dollop of wisdom for you. Yes. Yeah, so That's what I really like. I think uh, the use of boy there, I'm surprised Gurney didn't jump up at that. <laughs> you will address <laughs> the young lord. <laughs> Maybe he just had one solitary <laughs> tear go down his face. I'm, like, I'm never teaching this again. I am not in charge of this. <laughs> No one will call him young master around me. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, so Jessica, like I said, worried this guy can call him out. I, I like her retort in all this. My son displays a general garment, and you claim it cut to your fit. Ooh. How interesting. I'm just like, hmm. Or what a fascinating revelation that is. And then she puts her hand down to the Chris knife on her leg. I kind of wish that Kynes had been able to catch that. What he would make of oh, that. Oh, the Chris knife? Yeah. Ooh. I, oh, I, I think I got to hold off, actually. I oh, relation. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's a tough one. That, Derek. That was uh, me feeling like Heinz. That was it right there. That was it. Um, did you say water? Oh, it? <laughs> oh uh, excuse me. <laughs> so um, this garment, though, was actually coat. And Paul catches it. Yeah. This means prepare for violence. Jacobsa. No, no, uh, no, not quite. Jacobsa would be like actually. Well, I meant like, I, okay, okay. I battle, guess, yeah. like, battle language. I was thinking of the actual Jacobsa. <laughs> yeah, no. This, That's a bad term for me. This to is use, what sorry. I would call like Atreides battle yeah, language. Yeah, battle language. I think it's more than signs and everything. It's like yeah. also codes and positions right, and where right, you right. stand. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Jacobsa is like the one of the Fremen languages. Yeah, like, Atu yeah, Prejnia. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the Jacobsa. Um, it was the. Chechen language that the royals used, and they didn't let any of the serfs know. Does uh, I mean not to take up too much time. Does anyone uh, has anyone accumulated like what all of the uh, battle language for the Atreides is so far? Is there a list out there? Uh, no, we don't get words. Or do you mean like the signals and well, stuff? Well, like the codes. Like we know that garment means like ah, you know, prepare. Oh, uh, maybe there's only a few. Uh, oh, that would actually be that'd be really cool to find. Yeah, there's probably like a probably ten or so sprinkled throughout like the first couple books that I could think yeah, we, of. Yeah, I mean we've seen a lot so far actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we should, we should look at that. Yeah, I wonder if there's more. There's got to be more. I bet it might just have to be our job, Mike, and go with your total prophecy oh. list. You have the total list of that. <laughs> I don't want another job. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just want to talk about words. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> so um, we have a uh, Kynes starts looking speculatively at Jessica from that remark. Uh, and I think he does uh, not seeing the Chris knife like you want. I think he caught on of like, oh, we're about to do some fighting here. Uh oh. And he really takes the reins without her realizing it. Because I think Kynes at this moment, he goes, oh, okay. He gestures at Tuick. A Tuick. subtle hand signal. Tuick stands and gives a toast to Paul. Where Kynes leads, people follow, Jessica thought. He has told us he sides with Paul. Very mm. particular on that. What's the secret of his power? Can't be because he's judge of the change. Now, she even, she releases the Chris knife of this. I'm just mm -hmm. like, I, that must be a, a, like, I feel like I'm in good hands. Uh, I'm just like, okay. And uh, the banker and Paul are the only ones empty-handed at this point. Yeah. Because, like, Tuick's going to raise this toast up. And Paul, oh, he's such a little petty child. He starts staring at his plate, and he's just like, I was handling it correctly. <laughs> Why do they interfere? And he kind of glances around, and then prepare. He can't see the violence either for it. So 
What did what did you make of that? Do you think Paul misread the scene there? Oh. I don't know. Because you have everyone. Well, I mean, it looks like Kynes reacts to Jessica in terms of him defusing that situation. And that they just didn't bank that for some reason Kynes is willing to protect Paul. And he's mm-hmm. clearly, he thinks that's the threat that's going that way too. And uh, they are able to completely disarm it. I mean, Kynes definitely would have a better idea of everyone's position at that table mm-hmm. and ally- alliance and everything. We know that Paul admires Kynes. Mm-hmm. So I think he is sort of looking to Kynes and reading Kynes' view of people to make his own assessments and judgments. Sort of like how uh, Lady Jessica is doing that now. Because mm-hmm. we've already established that uh, he's already catching things and seeing things before she does. Yeah. Such yeah, as yeah. like with the... Uh, and to a higher like, degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm thinking maybe he is in the right for this and he knows sort of what he's saying, the risks he's taking by doing them. You think he, he knew how far he could push that yeah. banker? Uh, and I think, again, he has to be sort of do things in a grand scale. He has to be the Duke right now. Yeah. So he definitely, he definitely can't stop and talk. And yeah. So I'm like, guys, I was doing something. Okay. Mm-hmm. He just got to kind of roll with it. But yeah, yeah. It was, it, so it was interesting. So I think we're almost seeing uh, Paul's powers sort of like they're, they're higher than when we started in the mm-hmm. book. Something's changing within him, especially when we get um, to this next time he's going to use his truth sense and see right through it. It's going to be him saying, no, that's a lie. It's not going to be a question of like motivation or intention. Hmm. So Halleck uh, speaks generally to the room now. Uh, trying again, I think kind of like cut through this again. The dinner never gets back to normal. That shot. Um, and uh, just sort of mentions how taking offense is often like suicidal in our culture. Like, this is how I'm going to kind of disarm this whole thing. I'm like, guys, look, we all got really close to dueling here. <laughs> and so the bank, the steel suit daughter, rather, chimes in. I'm like, yes, everything here. It's like, oh, this is so gross. No one even means offense normally, and people die. <laughs> and Jessica makes her astute assessment of like, oh, this empty-headed girl is not an empty-headed girl. <laughs> like, this one has been playing the whole time. And notices that her girl, uh, the girl's goal was to seduce Paul. Mm. And Gurney had caught up on this too, but surely Paul did first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surely like Paul did first. I'm like, yeah, he's got that covered. That did not phase him at all. Why do you think she says Gurney was the first to catch it? Um, I don't know. Maybe like uh, it must have to do with how he addresses the daughter, uh, right there, or hmm. maybe um, or how he was watching Paul. She might have noticed something. It it seemed more like between the lines than anything that was explicitly in the text hmm. for us. Uh, and then the still suit companion, who is like uh, the woman that was with her or with the still suit manufacturer, she was hadn't eaten before and sort of said like she wasn't interested in anything. And now besides uh, like uh, uh, she, or rather she directs the conversation to the dangers of more fighting. Uh, and it's definitely that she was directed to do that. Just kind of she started guiding us there. And likely this will prove unimportant, Jessica says. Uh, but there's so much detail requiring the Duke's personal attention these times. As long as enmity continues between the Atreides and the Harkonnens, we cannot be too careful. The Duke has sworn canly. He'll leave no Harkonnen agent alive on Arrakis, of course. And she glances over at the <laughs> guild agent. <laughs> yeah. Love that That's one. That's so good. I love it. And uh, at that, the still suit manufacturer, he pulls his companion bag a little bit. <laughs> mm. So he would have had to have like, kind of prompted her yeah, to say yeah. that. I'm just like, ooh, nope. Oh, let's bring the reins in. She's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to eat and enjoy myself yeah, and now. And then now she's like, I'll have food now. I've, I've done my one thing, and I don't think I did it well. 
<laughs> so we get another dish out. I think uh, the guy asks for um, the recipe again. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes, we'll get you the stupid recipe. <laughs> uh, very much she plays into it. And um, mm. Jessica, she starts asking the um, banker about spice and how far into the desert the miners go. And uh, I think kind of just uninvited uh, sort of tells us how there's a great load of mother, a uh, great mother load of spice in the South. That's like this uh, song and rumor among, you know, right. Because no one's been there. It's like uh, the edge of the world kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, too, it's too dangerous to go beyond. Yeah. Burn storms. It all just gets so crazy there. And uh, Butte claims that the Fremen have gone down. there. They have soaks and sip wells to get water. And then they kind of explain what those were. Those were kind of cool, where a soak is something that you can dig down to and you'll find like right. the water table. Right. And the sip well is like that, but a little bit lower. We got to use like a straw to extract this water out. So he's saying like they have this in kinds. No, 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 never heard. Sip well, never heard of it. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Water in the desert? Whoa. Yeah. That's no, something. Kinds knows there totally is, though. And then we get the double thing here. So Jessica says there's deception in his words. Paul says he's lying. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Paul gets it, Hundo, uh, and that's that's like one of the truth sense which we've been addressing each time. But I think it's something else building, and and because uh, Frank put that twice in this chapter, mm-hmm. both of their assessments one after the other with Paul's right. trumping Jessica's and showing Jessica's is wrong, uh, kind of reinforces maybe the dinner thing was also Paul was right, yeah, that he had that underhand. So, um, the thing that Kinds used in saying it was like a, it is said. He used a couple times, like, mm-hmm. and said this of the deep desert. And Jessica says, like, what a curious speech manner- mannerism they have here. If only they knew what that reveals of their dependence on superstitions. Oh, that again, and she already knows how superstitious they are with her interaction with Mapes. Right. So she knows, like, she's got a little bit of leverage on Kinds now, too. Mm-hmm. I know it's like, she'll be able to work him. De- there's nothing they can do about it. They need these. Like, they're so, yeah. so um, fundamental to their culture at this point. Thank you, Missionary Protectiva. <laughs> Done your yeah. job so well. And remember, we're looking forward to no person matched more perfectly to the myth right. than Jessica. Yeah. Coming here for it. That what was seeded for her. And uh, now, this one I thought was interesting where Paul chimes in. He brings up that saying that he learned. Polish comes from the city, wisdom from the desert. And Kynes just does not care at all. I'm just like, yeah, there are a lot of sayings on Arrakis, and we just move on. And I thought that was sort of like a, wait, what? I, I kind of was, you're not I impressed? Thought, like, uh, I thought that would have been a Fremen saying. I thought that would have been kind of cool, like elicited something, but we just move on and don't even like acknowledge that Paul said that. And uh, a servant comes in, and he brings a note to Jessica. She unfolds it, and uh, it's from the Duke. And it also has a coded kind of message around the edges of it or somewhere in it. We don't know exactly how it's worded, but uh, she tells everyone, hey, everything's okay. The missing carryall has been found. A Harkonnen agent in the crew overpowered the others, flew the machine to a smuggler's base, hoping to sell it there. Both men and machine were turned over by our forces. And then she nods towards Tuick. And I think he just kind of gives a little toast back to her. And uh, she uh, marks the still suit manufacturer. It's like this fearful little climber. Just like, we're going to put Hawat on him. Yep. Taking care of this. Because we're <laughs> seeing everyone's reaction to this carry-all yeah. being found. And uh, then uh, she goes back to the Ramil, and she's sort of staring at her plate. And she thinks of the other part of that message. So in that message that the Duke said, we have a coded thing saying the Harkonnens tried to, sh- to get in a shipment of Lay's guns. We captured them. But that means they could have succeeded. And her mind just goes racing with the fear of possibilities. Lay's gun and shields, Mike. We've outlined them before. Now, 
Yeah, you told me how they sort of work, and this is the first time we really get it set in stone in here. Yeah. So if a laser gun hits a shield, yes, it creates some. I guess no one's quite sure because of how like seldom it's ever used. Uh, what they, do you mean? No, we know for sure what happens. What uh, they're uh, what it says could be more powerful than atomics. They don't exactly know how powerful though. That's why I'm saying it's probably seldom well, used. Well, so uh, it, a... it determines like the power of the shield. Oh, and the power it. of the light skin too, probably. Uh, yeah, the, or yeah. Is there only one setting, no, like I'm off like, and dead. Yeah, right. The laser yeah. gun. I'm thinking it might have one setting. Yeah. that might be one like kind of thing. But the shield, you know, we have a health shield, we have a personal shield. Yeah, there's that, like different that's levels that's of shield. There. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So the fact that when a light gun hits a shield, mm. it creates a catastrophic. Explosion. explosion but it only affects the two individuals yeah. the one who fired the gun and the one who is shielded yes no my first question was why don't more assassins like or expendable uh well, troops she, use she, that let alone she brings up what if they put a timer on a laser gun aimed at a shield aimed at mm. the house shield at that interesting yeah why don't they do that and it's the um aftermath of it though mike is indistinguishable from atomics so it can make it, uh, you don't want to cross the great convention. That'll get the entire land. Yeah, yeah, that was where I ultimately came to. Like it would like the Lanzarad would know about it. The emperor would know about it. That would be a huge no, no. Right. Right. So technically I think you can do it, but because it would look like you did atomics, that would be where I think it would come in question. Right. Otherwise I think the laser gun shield is fair game. You think so? Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is just that the risk of people like, they, you know, we want to have shields, so we can't just all go around right. with laser guns. Because like, honestly, thing, I guess you wouldn't be able to prove it wasn't atomics at that point. Yeah, I think I, I, there must be some way, but it's probably. It just feels weird that like it only affects those two individuals. Yeah. If they're really close to each other, wouldn't it just look like one big explosion? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. a laser gun can fire really far. Oh, can it? Yeah. Well, I guess it is just a laser at its mm -hmm. core, right? How big are they? Uh, enough. I, that I think I've asked this before. But. It's a big rifle. It's enough that a single person can hold it and walk around with it and say, like, I'm holding a laser gun. Okay. Um, and then it can also be mounted on a vehicle, though, or like a tank or a so copter. Like, I think like a giant bazooka kind of size I, thing. I think a little smaller, but. A little smaller. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm thinking, I think it's just kind of like a rifle, like kind of a big clunky. All right. But, I mean, again, everything's also smaller than I suspect it's going to be. Uh, what came first, uh, las guns or shields? <laughs> Uh, Not a chicken or egg kind yeah, of question, no. but like I think a laser gun. Laser gun. I think the technology would have been a lot simpler. For yeah. the, we would need uh, Holtzman to really round out the shields. I wonder what warfare was like when it was just laser guns going back and forth. Then oh, probably brutal enough. Probably on. just. I mean, even once the shields hit the table, I don't think it was that great. Oh, but what? we're going a little far down. Yeah, on this sorry, one. sorry. That's okay. I just wanna. We're so close. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have all these potentials for shield laser gun interaction that Jessica's freaking out about. Of like, oh, what? Because like the whole point is that they could have gotten one shipment through that we didn't catch. Right. There could be laser guns anywhere at this point. Now uh, Paul comes in. He's talking back to the table. He doesn't know about this little bit, and he only knows the carryall's been recovered. And he's like, ah, I never doubted we'd find the carryall. Once my father moves to solve a problem, <laughs> he solves it. And this is the fact the Harkonnens are beginning to discover. And then we cut to Jessica, and I love Mom Jessica. He's, He's boasting. boasting. <laughs> Jessica thought he shouldn't boast. No person who'll be sleeping far below ground level this night as a precaution against laser guns has the right to boast. It's like, no, like we're going to take cover tonight, by the way. <laughs> like <laughs> Once you see your new bedroom. Um, 
<laughs> Your new bedroom is a mile underground. <laughs> I hope I hope we check it for Hunter Seekers this time, guys. <laughs> Not go two for two. Oh, my goodness. That was that, a long chapter. That was. That took up most of our time. You know what, though? We're back to good chapter enders. That's true. Yeah, that was a really good line to end off on. That's a I nice like one. that. Oh, and yeah, I, I don't have any deep dives for us this week, Mike. Uh, that was a long about route just to go yeah. through dinner. Uh, we're skipping dessert today, so... Is there oh. anything that uh, we've passed over oh, that you um, want to touch on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's it? Oh, yeah. So um, there's another coded message that you missed, actually. Ooh. With uh, what a fascinating revelation. Okay. And that was oh. code for it's time for the, the glossary game. game! <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I think okay, I caught you off guard in that one. Yeah, I, I saw where you're going <laughs> yeah. once you read the quote, but then it's like, oh, that could, could work. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, works yeah. there. It was good. It was good. Glossary game time, Derek. That was a good chapter. It was, it was pretty solid. I didn't have anything else to follow up on. I'm glad. Okay, cool. <laughs> Would have been hanging on the edge of my seat. Uh, where 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 do we leave off, point-wise? So, right now, I'm in the lead. What? Yeah, 17-15. So we were at Sometimes a Sometimes I feel tie. like I'm playing a different game on my own. <laughs> <laughs> We've been back and forth a little bit here. Okay. It's been, it's been a quite It's been a, a downhill for me for two rounds. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, man. What was uh? What did we ever last week then? Honestly, I have a blank in my yeah. Mind. So we had two words. Uh, one was planacenta, planacenta. Okay. Which I actually uh, I got really close with the breaking down of that word you, though, no, and you I were didn't close, get it at all. But though. it's funny. We read that word. It was in the conservatory. It was one of the flowers that we listed. I even think we said it with on the, the podcast itself with the sangali. Yeah, it was the one that had the sweet aroma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know because it's a sweet plant. <laughs> yeah. The planacenta, and that's exactly what it is. It's an exotic green bloom of a cause noted for its sweet aroma. Um, I just thought that was funny that we missed that one. Oh, and now I do recall. Like, yeah. I got the planet, too. Yeah. I uh, looked into it. Not a real thing. A cause? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no. the, the planet. Um, do you, the next word was Sarfa. Sarfa? Yeah. And that was one you didn't get either. Um, that was a little harder. Was, was that like a, a religious thing? It was, yeah. Like a, a, I want to say like a doctrine. No, it was, uh, maybe not a doctrine. It was the act of turning away from God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that, was that the full definition of it? The act yeah. of turning away from God? The act of turning Sarfa. away from God. Okay. Verbatim from the glossary. That uh, that kind of reminds me then of like, uh, remember Cherim? Yeah. Was like the brotherhood of hate, but like the Hebrew definition was uh, the exile. Yeah, like the, excommun- like the ultimate excommunication. Yeah, that kind of seems like when it would also turn your back on God, I, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, very cool. That is really cool. Oh, those were those were cool words. Yeah, we got it. Uh, I didn't get any of them. <clears throat> Planacenta, especially. <laughs> yeah. But what do you have for me this week? I got uh, I got two good ones. Some spicy words here. Some spicy words. I think I'm at least gonna get one of them. That's but you might get the other one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Two tagline for this. <laughs> I think I'm going to get one of them. But you might I might be them. right, but I might be wrong, too. <laughs> oh, shit. That might be my tagline. <laughs> All right. Word number one. Karama. Koraba? Karama. Oh, K- Karama. Yeah. K-A-R-A-M-A. Oh, okay. So that is sort of annoying. We played the Dune board game. We did, and which there was were, very exciting. There were Karama cards in the board game. Oh, there were. Which you clearly might not remember. We were drinking wine during that game, too. But I read the <laughs> rules to teach you all the rules. But I don't remember what Karama was. Um, so, oh, wow. This makes so much more sense now. In the- <laughs> um, oh, why don't you give me a hint? Um, <laughs> which I feel pathetic or asking for, because I kind of think I know what to build towards. But I want to see what I can get out of you. So I'll give you the second part of this 
definition. Sure. I mean, anything and to see if you can give me the first part of okay. like sort of the layman's term. Okay. Because I think that'll probably be easy because you're not going to guess the second part, in my opinion. Uh, the second sort of uh, in-depth definition of this is an action initiated from the spirit world. Ooh. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> an action, that's the second part. <laughs> that's the second part. I just oh, want the layman's you... term okay. of this word. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I think karma uh, for like the oh, root yeah, of this yeah, word yeah. of like what it's coming from. Or like so, karam- yeah. Yeah. Um, so can you say the second part again for me one more time? An action initiated from the spirit world. Uh, is it going to be then like what you did in the physical world happening in the spiritual world? Like uh, some extension of it? Um, sort of like to how well you lived your life or okay like dig- writing the karma line yeah like into the afterlife or like what actions you do in the physical world have an effect in the spiritual world uh, okay yeah, yeah kind of yeah. like that that I think it's kind of where I would end up so like in- very good like full religion kind of thing uh yeah yeah well just that like um acknowledging that the spiritual world yeah mm-hmm. um i mean i'm sort of looking at it from a cynical non-religious view but like yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. extra dimensional kind of place that like your actions here have an effect on there uh, um all right yeah um, i don't really know how else to work into like the moral component of it of if there's any sort of like uh balancing act to it uh that comes into play so like yeah all your good deeds are kind of rewarded or vice versa downhill battle it is derek <laughs> why not point for me what what is karama a miracle. A miracle. An action initiated from the spirit world. A miracle. Oh, that, okay. So that, now, like, thinking, like, back to those cards in the board game. I was. Those were the, like, game-changing cards that would, like, make or break certain your decisions. Yes. Yeah. That's so, cool. I think that's, like, looking back and, like, I get it now. That's really sweet. Yeah. So it started in the spiritual world and it manifests in the real world. Yeah. And that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's really sweet. Ah. Okay. So, Karama. That's Karama. a good one to keep in mind. I can't wait to see that in the book and you know, where that takes place. I feel like that's definitely a, a Fremen thing. Yeah, yeah. I, that was kind of the opposite of what I was looking at. Then I was expecting mm. the material world to affect the, uh, the spiritual, spiritual world. world. But it's the opposite. Um, second one, Mudir Naya. Mudir Naya? Mudir Naya. It's M-U-D-I-R. Okay. It's first word. Second word, N-A-H-Y-A. N-A-H-Y-A. Mm. Okay. And when you go ahead, give me a hint. It's a name. It's a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say this makes me think like um, Mudir makes me think of like death. Ooh. And uh, like you know, murder. Well, like, yeah, the um, Spanish root muerte, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We've gone that down thoroughly. Uh, German Latin. mord. What's that? German mord. Mord. Yeah. So it all comes from like the Latin root. Uh, I think it was mort. Uh, something like that. Uh, and obviously, granted, the Persian always. Turns it for a little twirl there and a twist. Um, but I'm gonna say like uh yeah, no, I, I almost want to call it like the funeral plane on like Dune, but I don't think it's kind of like that. Uh we already talked about the funeral planes, didn't we? Uh we just had Gaius Helmahaya mention it. Um uh, I, think I thought she, I had a glossary word too. Who did you? I remember the erg and the bled and the that I don't remember mm, funeral. Maybe um maybe maybe something came up though. Uh you gotta be onto something. Uh, but I'm gonna say so is it like uh is it a word? For like a, are we looking for like a desert kind of thing? Am I on a track there or is it more <clears throat> proper? Well, it is a Fremen word for mm-hmm. sure, but it is uh, a name given to a person. Okay. So I, I uh, think I'm basically going to go at most half point on this then. Because mm-hmm. I would have totally gone down a route calling it like an area, thinking it's like naming for like right. a funeral, like a cemetery kind oh, of thing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So that, oh man, I, I'm not really sure. I'm gonna think if it's a name for a person, is it gonna just be like one of the people that tends to like the education of, uh, I'm gonna say like education of the youth or maybe like uh, the religious teacher? Mm. I will say it's probably the exact opposite of that now. It's a it's a dropout and a drug addict? <laughs> like what? <laughs> For maybe, probably. So uh, you definitely don't have this one, Derek. No. Oh, now, it was bad. I teased a few episodes ago that uh, the Furman have an interesting name for the Beast Raban. <gasps> that's it it's mudir naya oh does it say what it stands for yeah it does what okay the name is often translated as demon ruler that, okay I'm, i feel good though. yeah you were kind of on the right track there just being like death and demon at least on the well, same spectrum like, of sort evil. Of like yeah death demon like yeah totally see that but like also naya is sort of just when i say it, it sounds similar to naib mm-hmm. as like person in charge Okay, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's probably not even close, but, like, that's, like, that, where my mind sort of associates what them. What it triggered for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Mudiranaya. Yeah, so I came back with it. I told you I'd bring it to you. That's cool. Hey, you gave yeah. me a fair warning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give that one to you. That's a cool word. That's oh, pretty sweet. I'm excited to see that one come up. Yeah. Wonder. So, Almost as like we must meet the Beast Raban yeah. on Arrakis, Mike. I'm kind of excited for that. Oh, I'm telling you, Gurney and Raban. I want to just meet him in a room and go, Mudir Naya. No, no, Gurney doesn't know how to speak that language. Hey, it's still early. Yeah, oh, that's true. Gurney, yeah. I, I keep seeing, uh, I know Duncan is the, was he the weapon master? The Atreides is that what it is? Uh, they're both war masters. War masters. Atreides. I keep me- mixing up the first noun. Oh, he, yeah, it might be weapon. Oh, I might be confusing that now. Ma- yeah, no. yeah. I think it's weapon master, but uh, I I do think that Gurney. He's like aside from Thufir, Gurney's number two. Like that's the person we go to for like we need a problem solved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like I need a man with me. Like, yeah, yeah. Gurney's I mean, your I, first mate. Idaho's junior. Yeah. Two of them. So remember, he came on last. That's he's, true. That's true. And with our timeline, he's only been with them for like five years. Mm-hmm. The family. Yeah. Uh, so that's not that much time compared to um, Thufir and Gurney. That's pretty good. Man, I think that does it. That that is pretty that was much a good episode. episode. I enjoyed a, that chapter a lot. That, I told you I have been ramping up the dinner scene for quite some time. Yeah. Like, and one it, of my favorite. I thought it was going to be a little scenes. bit more like. Um, Maybe action packed, and I, it was almost on the precipice of that. I think for a bit, but yeah, every after each exchange of dialogue, I'm like, oh, how are they going to react to this? How, yeah, and yeah. keep playing it for it. It did have me on the edge of my seat. I was really enthralled by it. I, I think it's even all the better for it not culminating in action. That yeah, been me like too. An, an easy out. Yeah, um, yeah, for us to hit this point of like tension at the end. I think there's a lot like, of information learned. It is. Yeah. And I think a tough place to like draw an end to the scene. Like that was a good point for him to like be like, and this is where it stopped. Where it's mm-hmm. not, everybody doesn't get up. Everybody doesn't leave. The dinner's not over yet. But this is just where this we're going to walk important. out. Yeah. This is a good point for us to step mm-hmm. out of the room uh, and start thinking of something else. So yeah, that was amazing to come to. <sighs> but I mean, like I said, that's going to be just do it for this week, Mike. If you guys got uh, any questions for us, if you know uh, a wine that we could afford, uh, let us know. We're on Instagram and Twitter at SpiceWorldPod. You can always reach us by email at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website, SpiceWorldPod, uh, wait. Dot com, yeah, Mike. Dot com. Dot com. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Too much wine. <laughs> 16 episodes in. You nailed it. <laughs> But, hey, if you didn't do too well this week, Mike, (laughs) as always, next week, we're going to come back. If you have uh, any uh, suggestions for what we can do to add to our website to make it more exciting, let us know. Take it into consideration. Taking that. Might learn a thing or two. Yeah, always. And uh, we'll come back next week for Chapter 17. Chapter 17, what's going on? Well, Mike, nothing good happens after two in the morning. Wait, what? Yeah. I feel like I've heard that before. Somewhere. It chimes in. Uh, It was one episode of How I Met Your Mother. Ah, I remember (laughs) that one. Way back in the day. Yeah. 
There's also yeah. a song that I listen to that has a no. It's like midnight. It's not two a.m. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, nothing happens after. Yeah, anytime in dark, it's not fun. Uh, but yeah, in the dark of night, Mike, something's gonna wake Jessica up, and mm-hmm. she's having none of it. Oh. So we're gonna see. Kind <gasps> Jessica of Jessica does sleep. Confirmed. Cannon. Confirmed. Eight hours. <laughs> Oh, I got to find out when she went to bed. Oh, no. uh, we're going to see like a bit of a clash of Titans, Mike, in this next chapter. With who? I don't want to tell you who, but I did pull a line from it that I think this is what I want to leave us on for today. Okay. And uh, so this is my out of context for next chapter. You've glimpsed the fist within the Bene Gesserit glove, she said. Few glimpse it and live. Well, Mike, that'll do it for this week. <laughs> That's all I is got. It, is it Dr. Yui? Don't know. I didn't see. That's where the line stopped. What? <laughs> Why did you do that? That's my new thing, Mike. I'm kind of relieved I'm reading this chapter. Okay. <laughs> Bastard. Shall we, though? Yeah, we shall. Until next time, the, the spice must flow. We ready to go? Hell yeah, we're ready to go. Where's the... <laughs> we're not ready to go. <laughs> oh, no. I love my tablet over here. <laughs> I'm just like, excellent. I'm like, where's my stuff? <laughs> All right, we need that okay. out of context. Admittedly, <laughs> I didn't check to see if I was ready. I should not have said that. <laughs> just got you excited. <laughs> what can I say? It's Hell yeah, to the thopter, man. <laughs> <laughs>